Salutations, salutations everyone and welcome back to the season 9 episode number 2 of the Timeless Gamer Show Where the games in our bodies may grow out of date but our gaming experiences will forever remain timeless Your gaming podcast show brought to you by Hey! ROI. <laughs> we are ROI now. <laughs> Retromancy. Hello. Retro- Retromancy for life. And um, uh, this is a very uh, a very special episode that we have for you guys um, for this evening because uh, we, were, uh, we were fortunate enough to be blessed by, uh, by the good fellas at the Bitmap Books. Allowing us to uh, to review some of their uh, publications, some of their products, their their books uh, for this episode, uh, and we have some things to say. We were able to uh, we were we were able to get around uh, those uh, those said books, and for this panel that we have right here, we got uh, Sir JDM. Hello guys, good evening, good morning, and welcome back to Timeless Gamer Show. And tonight we'll be talking about the bitmap books that were um, uh, were given to. Uh, we were tasked to give uh, like a short uh, review, and I was asked to read about the point-and-click games and also the NES and SNES. So All right. stay tuned, guys. All right. Thank you for that, Sir JDM. And of course, we got Banyagan Native, Sir Joe. Oh, sorry. Was that me? Yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, my, 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 my headphone, uh, my headset went went offline for a moment. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Whoever you are, wherever you are. This is Joel Baklit, Banyagan Native, Twitch and Kick Page. We are doing a review of something a little bit off of our usuals uh, nowadays uh, because we do. You normally do video games. Today we are doing reviews of video game books, ladies and gentlemen. I've always been a book lover myself. It's it was my first passion before video games. So this particular episode is especially special for me because it relates to my two favorite passions: books and video games. So uh, let's uh, hang around with us and we'll talk all about it. Back to you, John. All right, I have heard that, Sir Joe. And of course, returning back to the show from Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> Sir <Hi>. Joe Mar. <laughs> hey, Joe Marth here. So, uh, I'm I'm gonna just gonna make it this uh, sweet and short. Uh, this is gonna be an interesting topic, so I would suggest you uh, you guys will stick stick on this channel and watch it and uh, listen to what we're gonna be uh, saying. Uh, it's a first time for me, and hopefully, it's gonna be a first time for you guys that you're gonna see a, a, a review on this kind of stuff. Uh, but before anything else, uh, looking at the chats, the guys from Bitmap Books are already in attendance. Thanks very much, guys. Uh, it Hello, says sir. thank you so much for this, guys. No, we're the ones thanking you guys for this opportunity because we love anything video game related, particularly retro video game related, and Bitmap Books is. A producer of high quality books from from our from our quick review of it from having a look at it and you know uh, before we get in before we get into too much detail let's get give it back to joe all right uh thank you for that sir joe and sir joe mar and um so before we head to the books a little bit uh, let's uh we can probably start to show with a few of our personal anecdotes in regarding 
video game literature. Mm. And uh, for all of us growing up, especially back in the 80s and 90s, all we had back then were magazines. Mm. And because there's no reviews or previews of, um, of those kind of sources, there's no regulations in regarding with video games that were coming out, especially with uh, with the uh, clot of, of the Atari games, especially with the computer games. Uh, of the uh, of the late 80s and the early 90s all we had were magazines at best so th- uh, there was not much of a like a, like a like a collective compendium of all those sorts of video games unless you're going to talk to those people who are in the know so um, how about Sir Joel uh, uh, what uh, what can you add in, in regarding to uh, with video game literature back Back in those days. Mm, back in the day. I mean, heck, I'm 51 years old. I do remember the advent of video games and video game literature. Books, uh, I, I wasn't there for the for the printing, for the invention of the printing press project uh, of Gutenberg Press. <laughs> but <laughs> I was but I was there during the early days of of seeing uh, cheat code books. Uh, books were published way back when that had co- uh, compilations of cheats and little tricks and secrets and everything like that. Those were uh, exciting for me to read as well. Also, there were uh, quite a number of um, fiction-related books, uh, fiction books related to video games, like the Worlds of Power books by Nintendo, yes. uh, expounding on stories with with, with um, Castlevania, um, uh, Blaster Master, uh, things like that. Those were those were a ton of fun to read as well. Another thing that happened way back when, I'm sure Jomar is going to relate to this one because he and I talked about it a little bit when way back when was um, uh, the game books, the choose your own adventure type of game books like Dungeons and Dragons, like the Grey Hawk Chronicles, yes. um, like the Interplanetary Spy series, the Wizards, Warriors, and you. That was about as close to video gaming in book form that was that I had encountered way back when. So it was it was not there was no compendium like Joe says of a particular system uh, or a particular set of of a video game styles because of the fact that in the early days there was so much to cover. There were so many different angles to come at it and. It was it was just so broad, and I'm I'm really appreciative of bitmap bitmap books for coming out with books that actually hyper focus on certain things like like the NES, like the SNES, the Mega Drive. I think there's also the PC Engine book, and they have art books actually that show video game covers exclusively of certain systems like Atari. I could I I'll, I'll I mean I'm 51 years old. You'll have to pardon my my brains for not working as well as it is as it used to be. But yes, um, I, Bitmap books really came out with a solid set of. Uh, material for people like me who just love reading books. <laughs> right. Uh, thank you for that, Sir Joel. And how about Sir Jomar? Uh, so, uh, Sir Joel mentioned your uh, mentioned you specifically about this. <laughs> so, what? Uh, so, what was your experience before, and how things progressed now in terms of video game literature? Oh, um, what can I say? Tito Joel already said everything. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's exciting, like Tito Joel said. Um, 
we don't have commercials about uh, video games before. We don't have the internet. Uh, we do have the internet, but you know, it's it's not. You, you don't find it there before. Um, yes. You go to a store or a, a newspaper stand, and then you 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 find a, a magazine, and then you you flip it, and then that's where you're gonna be blown away. Uh, a game that you never heard before or seen before. You'll see it right there while standing, and um, and you're gonna be like. I want this, and then you're standing there. You're smiling. Uh, everything was exciting. Um, like Tito Joel said uh, about 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 those uh, uh, what you call that, Tito Joel? Uh, choose your own adventure. Yes, mm-hmm. those game books. Yeah. Choose your own adventure oh, yeah. books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the magazines are exciting as those. Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've been reading Wizard Warriors and News since oh, I was yeah. like a small kid. Um, Every page that you turn, every page that you read, uh, you never know what you're gonna get. Like a box of chocolate, like uh, you know. What... <laughs> how <laughs> how very Forrest Gump of you. <laughs> <laughs> so right, right, right. Yeah, the, um, the, yeah. The, I have nothing to say about the 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 past about the magazine. It's just really amazing it's amazing it's an amazing era that you just go there flip the book see what you see what you need to see and then uh, get surprised that's it all right thank you for that sir Jomar. and how about sir jdm because sir jdm was uh, was overseas when he was younger before so i'm not yeah. sure how, uh, uh, how how was his uh, experience in regarding with gaming literature but most likely um you know how gaming magazines before like flipping those pictures and what the the gaming magazine mentioned about those games sometimes it kind of gets you hyped about the game and then when you receive the game yeah. then you experience it for the first time yourself <laughs> it, it's a little bit underwhelming maybe maybe they overhyped it a bit so sorry jdm what say you for me i've experience reading uh, not exactly books but game magazines like um, was it Next Generation it's a different book from the UK uh, I mean magazine I've also read um, old books in the library that has this computer uh, and about PC hardware they they right. have uh, Ultima books oh. yeah yeah uh, I think that's the reason why I got interested to PC gaming is because of those uh, magazines that I saw in the uh, school library. Mm. And also, I discovered uh, gaming magazines like um, oh, what uh, EGM. I had EGM. You got, you got EGM, you got GamePro. GamePro's one. Um, what's the other one? Elect- yeah. uh, oh. Uh, electronic uh, electronic gaming monthly. Mm. What are the other? Oh, there's the other uh, well, there's actually different yeah, different ones like Computer Gaming World. Uh, I do remember um, Game Informer. Uh, the, the, oh, shoot, there were there there was a ton. There was a ton of video game magazines from back in the day, and honestly, I think PlayStation even had its own too. Yeah, and I mean, yes, they had Nintendo. Their, they had, yeah, they had they had their own Nintendo Power. Mm. Nintendo Power, of course, yeah. Nintendo. Sega Ages, of course, Sega. Oh, and those uh, those magazines from uh, from the UK. Mm. Uh, 
Sir, uh, Sir Dan and Sir Viraj uh, uh, will know the answer to that one. I, I forgot what uh, which magazines uh, which magazines those were. Um, I want to say Popular Mechanics, but no, <laughs> Some, something 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 machines, mm. something, Mean Machines. I think was it. I think so. Yeah, I, I wish we I wish we had Dan or Viraj here. He they could yeah. provide the the point of view of people from across the pond, like well, like yeah. we kind of say here. But yeah, uh, in general, the magazines were all over. Even the Philippines, even yeah. if I remember yeah. correctly, even the Philippines had one or two magazines back then um, uh, of of some of well, it wasn't exclusively video games. Very short lived. I remember yeah. those. <laughs> yes, they. I think they were licensed from magazines from abroad. But yeah, we. Right. We had a few video game magazines in the Philippines as well, mm-hmm. and also um, I think that's also the reason why I um, learned English is because mm. we have English subjects uh, during elementary. Then I also read books in the library, mm. and then I discovered these gaming magazines. And then I remember getting a fighting fantasy book. Oh it's yeah, the game book. Um, I forgot the name of yeah. Warlock or Wizard. Yeah, um, Warlock of Firetop Mountain. Mm-hmm. Yes, that one. Yeah, I remember having that because um, back then my cousin and I used to um, read that book. Then there's this story that um, you you need to choose from. Uh, it will give you like a setting then it will have you choose to turn to page 5 or oh yeah I remember those yeah the, like you, wizard warriors the, yeah. wizard warriors so it, and then you have to it, 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 depending on your actions yeah yes, yes. 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 but remember what those. we did what we did back then is we tried to like take a glance at the <laughs> next page then try to see if it's a bad or if it's going to be better if it's going to be better for you then go if it's going to be worse then, then yes, go so that means you're 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 using a konami code right oh yeah yes. or, or, that's or basically cheating guys you don't don't do that it ruins the fun then i started collecting um just recently some game guides like, oh yeah uh, i had um oblivion here I don't mm. know where I placed it, but it's there mm-hmm. somewhere. And re- the most recent guidebook that I have was, um, I think it was Flight uh, Microsoft Flight Combat mm. Flight Simulator. I'm oh. not sure the title, but it's a combat flight simulator. So mm. it's like a spin-off of the um, the Microsoft Flight Simulator that they had. Mm. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Sir JDM. And uh, since we got Sir JDM already here, uh, can you tell us who the who in the hell are those people down there at the chat? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go ahead and read the chats here. We have uh, Sir Remel Bencilio of Corgandom Place. Uh, he says, "Good evening, TG Fam." And also we have. Sir Raymond John Orendes of Studio.ph. He said, Ooh. Thank you, Bitmap Books. And the graphics of the books was indeed good. Yeah, actually, it's quite colorful, if you ask me. Mm. And also, we have Daniel P. Dignadise of mm-hmm. Dan Dan Dice. Gaming. Yo, Timeless Gamers. Hello, hello. <coughs> 
Dan Dice, and we also have uh, Marlon Hurtado Eliscupides who says game Hi, magazines and game manuals are have support gra- uh, superb graphics. Yeah, that's the closest thing that you can have of uh, getting those game books because the game manuals itself, in my experience, uh, back in the when we have those big box uh, PC games and even those PS1 games, we have those manuals that looks like a mini novel that you can read the backstory of each characters or the story of the game. Right. And we also oh. have Jerlyn Alice San Agustin in the chat. Hello. Miss mm, Honoka's here. Hello, Miss Honoka. I think... That's all the people that we have right now, and we're looking right. forward to your um, right. g- uh, gaming book experience in the chats. Absolutely, all yes. Right. Uh, thank you, thank you for that, Sergio Dem, and to all of you guys, ladies and gentlemen, who are joining us in the chat right now. You can still share this three, uh, share this stream uh, as we go on, and uh, yeah. So, how about introducing our patrons, patrons? For this episode, which is Bitmap Books, so what is the story? I and mean, who is Bitmap Books? Mm-hmm. So, um, so there they are, and so it was. Uh, so, Bitmap Books was established in 2014. Uh, it was founded by Sir Sam Dyer. Sam Dyer <laughs> actually uh, was the one who uh, who coordinated with Sir Joel, and uh, he was. Uh, He was generous enough to give us three sets of PDF samples of uh, of the books, namely the NES Compendium, the mm-hmm. SNES Compendium, and the Click and Point Games Compendium. Yes. And uh, with uh, with that in mind, Sir Sam had this vision that he wanted to create a uh, he wanted to create and publish the highest quality most visually splendid gaming books ever produced and and according to and according to our eyes when we uh, uh, when we have the samples and yeah uh, uh, although we haven't really uh, checked other publications I'm, oh, I, I have. I have. Honestly, I would say, I would say that this <laughs> go, is, sir, go, go. Yeah, let, let's put it this way. I have, I have had uh, the opportunity to have a look at other publications, and Bitmap Books honestly ranks way up there as some of the highest quality stuff I've ever seen. I've, I've made, I've had comparisons with other publishers. The closest that I can say when it comes to the comparison of these books, they come as close to the actual game game guides published by the actual uh, companies themselves because the, the 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 highest quality game guides being published by companies like hardcover game guides, full color spreads, absolute uh, absolute information and details and everything laid out in in their books. You can find the same thing here, but in a much more vi- visually appealing format. In a way, this is a kind of uh, the, the visual compendium is like uh, a, a video game magazine that we used to read way back when, but amped up to a thousand because this is the this is the stuff that you would want to sit down with and read for hours on end you know how you used to read video game magazines back then maybe for an hour or two mm-hmm. these kinds of books the bitmap books are the kind of books that you can sit down and just get lost in visually 
and in terms of your memory for hours to come heck if you had a kid along with you if you have your son or daughter with you you can sit them down and show these this is how things were back then this is the next best thing to actually having a video game a video game playthrough with your son or daughter uh, right next to you the, the bitmap books quality is top notch honestly i've compared it to other other publishers and it's amazing honestly this is the kind of stuff that you would place in your in your library show off to guests and maybe even hand down to future generations it's that good yeah just to uh, uh yep to uh, yes to go, 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 go. Uh, saying it's like yeah I, i never did a uh, a comparison on modern books but i did a comparison on nostalgic books mm. or uh publications uh this this is I, i don't know guys if you if you if you know uh schrodinger's cat if you have an idea schrodinger's cat yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, 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 it it's an expression that both things can be you know at, uh, can be at two things on the same time mm-hmm. yeah so this is my schrodinger's cat because this one is like um it's um it's modern mm-hmm. but at the same time it's also nostalgic yes so it, it's right. like so uh Oh, go ahead. So for those people who don't know the the uh, the, the philosophy uh, the uh, the philosophical concept of the Schrodinger's cat. So imagine there's a uh, there's a there's a box and there's a glass of poison in there mm-hmm. ready to break. You put a cat in there and close the box. Do you think the cat is alive or dead? Or dead. So that's the concept of Schrodinger's cat. So you don't know if the poison if the poison will get to the cat. Or the or the poison will stay enclosed in there, uh, which the cat will survive. So we don't know unless we open the box. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what uh, Sir Jomar is talking about here. Yeah, that, that's why it, it becomes it, it uh, it's uh, both dead and alive. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, so um, um, this is the the kind of uh, modern publication that I I would put on my man cave, like a retro man cave. Mm. or a museum uh, my my like a personal museum uh, right what I'm gonna be putting on, uh, on on a bookshelf why because when I saw it if, if some people will see it they, they will say is this old or this new, <laughs> this new? Uh, yes yeah so JDM for me I've read the books um, um, I find it very colorful it's well designed and then i had fun reading the most especially the point and click games because i remember those games that i played um in the 90s and it really is a nostalgic trip and it's not just um it's not just like the graphics or the design it's also informative because they were able to um, get in touch with uh, they were able to interview the uh, most of the uh, prolific developers back in the 90s like um, David Fox Mr. Arl Allo of Delicious uh, mm. Larry and oh yeah mm. it's it's not just um, nostalgic it's informative and It can appeal to if I was a kid. It would appeal to me because of the colors and the design. 
but it would also appeal to me as an adult because it's very um, you can learn so much from the gaming history just by reading uh, those books and it even if even if you're not uh, you did not live the those days for example you were born in the uh, 2000s or uh, 2010s uh, it will um, when you read the book you will have um, information or you will be able to live the um, what were happening in the past uh, the gaming history that happened during those days in the 80s and the 90s so it's really uh, well recommended All right, thank you for that, Sir JTM. And um, a very good summary session from all of our panels here. And just like Sir Joel, I, li- I like video games and I like history. And I also like video game history. Mm. And uh, if, I ca- if I cannot get it online, uh, so, I mean, we got, we got YouTube videos here and there. But unless it's a very, like, a very specific like a game genre or a very specific niche not a lot of people or a lot of youtubers out there do really extensive research in regarding with the topic that they're talking about with the bitmap books you don't have to do that because they did the research for you mm. all right i mean uh so i spoke with sir dan before uh, sir dan before because i uh, because i gave sir dan and sir viraja a couple uh, some of the Uh, the samples that Bitmap Books gave us. And they have some shit to say in regarding <laughs> with the research said uh, by Bitmap Books. Um, but to each its own. Mm. What I like about their opinions is that because uh, they themselves have their mm. own... Um, Maybe it's because of the European experience that they can uh, that they can contradict some of the bitmap books claims in their uh, in their publications. Mm-hmm. But I would say I would give bitmap books some credit here because they really did their research. Uh, they really have a search for uh, for collaborators. They did interviews with developers, video game publishers, and creators as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in creating these books that they uh, that they had in their in, that they have in their uh, current inventory here, so let's get on to it. So uh, so like we mentioned before, uh, Bitmap Books gave us three uh, PDF copies of their uh, uh, of their some of their sample uh, mm. some of their inventory uh, inventory so we got your NES SNES and your clicking point so we will start first with the NES because hey as Filipinos we grew up with the NES uh, aka the Famicom so let's get into it alright uh, so yep. go mm. on ahead Sir Joe and Sir right. Joe Mark mm. so um, let me just uh, pop this down for a moment The, the thing about the NES compendium, let me just uh, bring this up so that uh, I'll be I'll beg the audience's uh, indulgence and of course uh, Bitmap Books's uh, permission because we are going to be showing ep- excerpts of the books that they provided to us. Uh, for those of you who are interested in how the books look like, please check out our 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 video podcasts on Facebook 
and on YouTube. You guys, uh, you guys listening in on the audio portion of the podcast over over at the over at um, places like Spotify or or Google Podcasts. Uh, you you guys are missing out because the visual compendium of of the bitmap books is amazing and it, they deserve they very much deserve a look all right so the basic idea of the visual compendium again like jdm says it's a colorful presentation it's the kind of look that when you pull out of the bookshelf it is it, it already attracts your eyes it draws your eyes in it shows right off the bat these characters that you yeah, iconic characters sure. yes. yes i'm absolutely yes. sure you you grew up with and Yes, yeah, who, who was about to say JDM. It looks like a character selection from Tekken. Oh, in a way, yes, that's true. That's <laughs> very true. Uh, we, so we got uh so we got the I'm not sure uh, what it's one of the battle toads, mm. uh, the duck from Duck Hunt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the motor, uh, the guy from from Excite Bike. Excite Bike. Um, the the black mage from Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got um, there's Zelda, uh, Legend of Zelda. I know, I know. I'm, 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 no, I'm throwing Link. a little bit of shade. I know. I'm throwing, I'm throwing, I'm throwing a little shade on people who are, who are making that mistake constantly. It's Link. No, no, that, that is Zelda. Come on. We called him Zelda people, before. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, when we were kids, uh, <laughs> it caused a lot of confusion. But yeah, in general, the way that it's presented is highly visually appealing, and it's really, uh, it, it does. It does say that is the it is the unofficial NES Famicom visual compendium. Now, take note that as as a compendium, it does not purport itself to be comprehensive. It makes sure that it 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 puts forward that it is not uh, the be all and end all of everything NES Famicom. Because for something like that, I would imagine a book being not that thick, but about this thick. Probably it's going to be as thick as Webster's uh, unabridged dictionary. So mm-hmm. this one is the way that the way it's presented is, of course, they're they're very nice to say thank you for purchasing the books, and it has uh, essays on how those books, uh, those games were developed. If you can mm-hmm. have a quick look at the table of contents here. It's not comprehensive, but it does feature a lot of the games that we are already familiar with. Games like Blades of Steel, uh, um, Gundak, uh, Devil World. Uh, Devil World is one of those games that we enjoyed in the Philippines and in the UK. I hear they enjoyed it as, as well, but I hear in America they did not. Um, here in America, people were not familiar with a game like Devil World. If you were not familiar with it and if you picked up this book, you will be able to read a little bit about that, that that game that uh, the rest of the world was able to enjoy. Other games like Mega Man, it says right here, there's Ninja Gaiden, mm-hmm. uh, Rad Racer, uh, as it was called in the Philippines, I think it was Highway Star. Highway and Star. Highway Star, yes. And it's not com- it's not at all comprehensive because it's it numbers, I'd say, about a uh, good uh, close to uh, 150 to 200 100 games. And of course, photography I, I once we get into the once we leap into the book it's going to be visually oh, a uh, Joel, um, mm. uh, for sir joel and sir jomar because i'm not sure if mm. if they mentioned it on in the book uh-huh. uh, did they mention anything about what exactly was their idea on how, which games to include in this book it, i'm not sure if if sir sam dyer is there in the chat right now Maybe he can answer, but did they mention anything about how exactly they came up with the list? 
It, they they did not have a they did not, from what I remember they did not really do uh what's the right word for it a criteria of mm-hmm. what got into the book and what didn't I think they did a uh, uh, an approach where it showed a re- I I would say maybe about an 80% list of the games that people are already familiar with mixed in with about 20% of games that people might not be as familiar with games like yeah, um, what, what, uh, the Japanese he he uh what's yeah. that um he notori ho hoen uh, yes John mm-hmm. go ahead you're, you're about yeah, to say. What, what what I saw in the book is um, mm-hmm. they included popular games mm-hmm. and right. some uh of course popular games and uh some some games with like uh, how do you call that like um with with some polit- political issues mm-hmm. like right oh you mean the controversial interesting. ones interesting uh, controversial words, interesting. ones interesting mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. interesting ones right 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 yeah all right so now i'm right now i'm showing that it actually does show because most books here in the west talk about the uh, the nes almost purely from the point of view of the of the nintendo entertainment system the nice thing about this book is that it shows also the point of view of the famicom as we are familiar mm-hmm. with it in japan uh it shows the design of of how the famicom originally looked like lo- looked like as compared to the nintendo entertainment system and it even t- covers <clears throat> the family this system. system yes, yes. this system mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, it was one of those things it does cover a few things about the disc system because of the Rob. fact that Rob, yes, it, it shows Rob, how Rob is here. Yeah. it shows how the fact that the, the disc system was a little was was not very well known, but it did factor into the development of the of the NES Famicom. So, an example right off the bat is one of the most popular games of all time, Donkey Kong. It shows mm-hmm. right there. You can see how visually impactful the book is. Mm-hmm. Lots of color, uh, lots of detail. It shows how how mario is going up the up the girders uh trying to hit, get um i forgot the name of the the girl in in donkey kong it's not peach i completely forgot she's the mayor of of of, of new donk city now huh? in super mario uh. super uh, super mario odyssey i i, oh. I, I yeah <laughs> I, I forgot her name oh. Pauline, Paul, yeah, Pauline? I think yes, Pauline, Pauline probably, yeah. Uh, the thing about it, it, it does show that uh, people. Uh, it, it does have small essays. It's not a full-blown whole-page mm-hmm. essay that would that would overwhelm you with detail. As Jomar says, uh, it's the kind of essay that comes from the point of view of the actual player. More often mm-hmm. than not, I would say a good 50% of the essays here in this book are from the point of view of either. A player who enjoyed the game, or a developer who shows, in, who gives insights on what uh, what makes the game tick. In this game, in this in this case, in Donkey Kong, the description was made by there it is. Dave Scott did provide it. It's Pauline. It it's what? written. The essay was written here, Donkey Kong, by Wes Copeland, the Donkey Kong Arcade World Record holder. So there. So it, you know that that guy knows exactly what he's talking about. And then, of course, uh, other 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 essays come up. But of course, the next one to be shown, I one one of my personal favorite games on the NES Famicom was Popeye, uh, uh, translated from the arcade. And this one is written by not 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 a developer, but a games journalist. He also, I'm absolutely sure, knows what he's talking about. It details how what the game is about in broad terms, and it 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 
talks about how the game is played a little bit we're talking about not go not jumping into the details of uh like ones and zeros bits and bytes of the game but it does talk about how the game feels and that's a very mm-hmm. good thing jomar if you'd like to add something yeah so those those uh those, those summaries that they the interview actually mm-hmm. uh, it's so short um it's so short it's sweet and short again sweet and short uh it makes you wonder and think and then you know i would like to try that stuff like that mm, so it, it's 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 like they, they they said something about the game uh it's it's enough but it's not so i want to see it mm, very um, true and what wh- what i like about the the, the, uh, the the book is it's like you're you're uh weaving through uh tips and tricks um <laughs> like that you you don't you don't read first mm-hmm. remember uh, i i know sergio jdm mm. tito joel <laughs> when you are when you have a, a, a game magazine before do you read no you no. look at the image no. you go you go no. through all the images nice right so Uh, actually, the the this is the we we were I, we were like uh, we were like babies back then. Like we could care less. We could care uh, less about the text. Yeah, we mm. like the we like the colors. <laughs> and when you when you see an mm. image that you like, that's when you read. Yes, that's when you read. That's, that's the only you time you read. It's, it's, it's true. It's also it's also pretty amazing for me uh, to see uh, uh, a um, Famicom that's been that have label on it. Uh, on a magazine, mm. the last time that I saw that kind of uh, strategy was uh, was on a comics on X Men that they had the black bird with labels on it. It's it's, it's amazing, mm. you know. I, I, I was I was I was uh, going through the pages and then looking at the image, and not just one second. I was just looking at it and then going back and forth. This is nice. It's funny you mention it's yeah. It's funny you mentioned about X Men. Uh, a little bit of segue here. Uh, mm. We we know it's called the Blackbird, right? Uh, yeah. But nowadays they keep calling it the X Jet, and I'm like, that that's <laughs> it's not an it's not the X Jet. It's a Blackbird. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's probably because of the fact that uh, the the SR seventy one Blackbird is is a copyrighted or trademarked brand because it was it was based on the SR seventy one. Yeah. And, uh, it's, a, it's it's the blackbird. It's the blackbird. It will forever be the blackbird here. To us, it's always been a black. It's always been the blackbird. Maybe they us. just mm. followed suit the Batmobile. It was a like, was it a Chevrolet or mm. the Chevrolet? What uh, uh, the first one? The, mm-hmm. Yeah, the 1960s, but they just called it the Batmobile. Mm-hmm. Mm. That's they true. won't mention any names because it's gonna be brand. ugly if they call it the bat, bat chevrolet oh wow yeah that's true <laughs> okay uh, right now I'm, uh, we're having a quick look at ice climber a particular favorite of mine because of the fact that uh one of one of our uh one of our friends uh on streaming retro gaming times it expresses a lot of frustration with this one it's a, a, lot, lot of... a lot of friendships that were yeah, that, a lot of friendships that were broken <laughs> That were messed up. That were that were that was uh, fucked up by, uh, oh, by the yeah. ice climber. <laughs> oh, I I completely forgot. I, I'm. This is one one of the things about the the, the NES Famicom Visual Compendium. It's not purely uh, like like uh, like Joe says, like a magazine format. And and mm-hmm. Jomar says it that, that it's visual. Once you hit certain essays, it does show. It does enumerate histories about certain things. Yeah. 
like Nintendo being uh, being an originally a playing card company and how it kind of developed into what is now the video game powerhouse it's of actually industry. weird I, I never knew that Nintendo mm-hmm. uh, tried some business like oh, Love yeah. Hotel <laughs> oh yeah that's true right. <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> like, what? Nin- Nintendo Love Hotel like, I mean yeah. I mean do you, you, you you'll, you'll see Mario doing this oh yeah that's true <laughs> Or you know, uh, I guess I guess Imagine. for you the last I guess for you the last long you have to input the Konami code, you know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, there you go. The, uh, there's of uh, of course excite by things like this. It does show it uh, like Joe Mar says. It's very mm-hmm. much a magazine format. You you take it in visually first, and and the, I guess that's what defines a visual compendium. It hits your eyes really. It hits your eyes with lots of colors. It hits your eyes with with the kind of look that you know uh, will inspire your you inspire you to really stare at it and just absorb it visually. And it, it's it's a good approach to having having the video games presented to you one step below actually playing the video game itself so it does show all these popular video games like uh like duck hunt load runner as kung fu as yeah spartan x that was as it was called in the philippines spartan x but here in the in the united states it's called kung fu i think it's because of the fact Mm, that it was based on the on an arcade called kung fu so i think it's japan also Yes, Japan. Yeah. yeah, Japan and Philippines. Mm-hmm. And of course, by far the most one of the most popular games of on the NES Famicom Super Mario Brothers. In this case, surprisingly, it, they they it wasn't one of the developers that they that they interviewed. It was a guest reviewer, Ross Burnett. So I guess rather than having somebody technical jump into describing it on a bit by bit basis, they want the reader to be able to empathize uh, or um, uh, to relate to whoever is writing the essay or the short snippet about describing the game itself about about that mm-hmm. sir joel so yes uh, so, so because we got uh, you got you got uh, legend of zelda mm-hmm. and you got super mario's there and donkey kong you would yes. think shigeru miyamoto would have made the cut in regarding uh in regarding with the one one of the one of the people that they've interviewed. Well, actually, no. I I did. I, I is he I, even yeah, there? Yeah. Yes, he is actually. In this case, uh, for a game as popular as Super Mario Brothers, it had to be Shigeru Miyamoto, and he's actually here as one of the essays. But some of the other popular games, oh, they so he's have there. to. Right, yes, right. they have to just. Uh, I'm surprised that they didn't take somebody who was actually one of the developers. Like in this case here, in this case, Ghosts and Goblins. Ghosts and Goblins. By far, one of the most popular mm-hmm. and hardest games hardest. on the on the, on the NES. Pop. Yes, on the NES or or Famicom, they didn't get one of the developers to to uh, to talk about it. They they got Julian Rignall, a games journalist, to actually talk about it. In this case, it wasn't any of the developers. I don't recall. I don't recall who developed Ghosts and Goblins. But in this case, it was a small essay about how um, how the game is coming from the psychology of the protagonist. So I, I'm surprised that a game as popular as Ghosts, and, as Ghosts and Goblins did not get one of the developers. But, you know, I guess it's an executive call. When you're reading through the book, you're trying to make sure that you keep the interest of whoever is reading it because some people read from beginning to end. Some people jump from topic to topic. I would say in this case, like in Ghosts and Goblins, you don't want 
there's been enough discussed about ghosts and goblins and about how hard it is about how once you get to the very end of it it turns out that you have to go through it all over again yeah. uh, about about how about how once you get hit once you lose your armor never to be able to get it back all over uh, anymore until you turn once it is enough god damn it yes i know so <laughs> i know it's people that people that people that talk about this i'm absolutely sure they already know about it they they got the point of view of somebody who wants to talk about the psychology of the game rather than the technical details of it and that's probably the the approach that that bitmap books did with this one and I'm, i i can't fault them for that and it's 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 um it's a good approach i would say because of the fact that i'm the one of those people when i read a book it's from cover to cover from beginning to end all the way and i read each one because i appreciate the effort put in to every single article and i know that this is every single one is not going to be a banger every single one is is if if you can make it way too consistent in terms of the the, the text as to what it is and you can expect that this is what it's going to say like it runs in this number of bits it runs in this number of colors it took this long to develop this number of years it'll get boring whereas the way that the book is presented the essays kind of throw it throw it one from one point to the other and it never gets stale it always it's always interesting the way that it's the way that it's um the way that it's presented it's you know uh props to them jomar uh what do you think about the way that the way that the book is written Well, um, it's really good, actually. Um, it's um, uh, you'll be able to see the difference between a um, some some person is doing a report, and then you know just just doing uh, its own research. Mm-hmm. On this kind of book, you you hear it straight from from the developer itself. It's mm-hmm. different. Uh, it's like a if if you've read like uh, game magazines, right? Mm-hmm. Those people were like reporters. So it, it's it's mm-hmm. a secondhand experience that what that they're telling you, and then this one is much better because you see that the developers are also like us that they mm-hmm. enjoy what they're making and they enjoy also what they're what 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 they're playing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it it digs into you that you know you 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 compare yourself to them. Oh yeah, I had the same experience. So <laughs> it appeals to the to the masses. I made a mistake re- earlier regarding uh, which game that I was talking about that had that did not have the developer in there. I'm, I was I was um, it slipped my mind. Uh, Super Mario Brothers had Shigeru Miyamoto, but in this case, Mario Brothers, the game that came before Super Mario Brothers. Uh, just as popular, uh, it was very popular in the arcades as well. It only had Perry Rogers, the games journalist, uh-huh. talk about Mario Brothers, the NES Famicom game. It did not have um, it did not have any of the developers talk about yeah. it, which is a surprising call. But like I said, sometimes there's there's the approach to an article is best done from the yeah. point of view of somebody who actually enjoyed it and uh-huh. who is not going to get into too many technical details of it because the presentation the gameplay is very straightforward you don't have yeah. to jump into too many details about it jomar yeah it, it, it's really different when someone is telling uh someone else's experience rather than mm-hmm. you know telling its own experience that, that that's a much better uh you know approach to this kind of uh, books or magazines 
yes very true and i guess in a way it's also it's also like the magazine approach too and because you have a good mix of the developers mm-hmm. themselves talking in the magazines also yes. the the journalists who actually play the games in a way this is a, a very good throwback to the way things were way back when in the egm days uh electronic gaming's monthly days when mm-hmm. you would crack open a magazine and you would have a good mix of technical details and um personal opinion i guess mm-hmm. there you go jomar uh what if if there was anything in the book that really drew your that drew your attention was it was there a particular thing that really caught your that really made you say this book is great was there something in the book well, well it uh how can i say this mm-hmm. it's, basically it's the book itself mm-hmm. um it it brings it brings back memory uh that, that's that's my first uh um, impression of the book once uh once i'd seen the pdf i was honestly i was weaving mm-hmm. i was going through all the pages not even reading and then i went back and then read mm-hmm. so um i would like to ask was there any entry or is there any entry in the book that kind of Uh, that kind of major question that uh, that game is not supposed to be like this or you kind of question <laughs> the um, the interviewee's opinion about it like do you think they were they got it wrong do you think they got it right based on your personal experience with the games that they were talking about Well, me personally, I would say I did not run across uh, in my read-through of of the of the book text itself uh, any glaring or or overtly erroneous information. I mean, there might be some information there that is not as as accurate as it should be. Maybe, maybe that maybe there was some some broad strokes or some facts that were glossed over. The, the but honestly, I would approach it from the point of view of somebody who was casually reading the book and wanted to take a stroll down memory lane because of the fact that it's not something that I'm I'm in it as an auditor. I'm not mm-hmm. going in there as an auditor. I'm not going in there as somebody who was who's going to be who's going to be finding uh, who's going to be what's the right term for it? Who's going to be nitpicking about nitpicking. Yes, I'm not mm-hmm. going to nitpick the book in terms of the factual accuracy of the essays because To be perfectly honest, with the mix of, of writers here, especially I would say about 50% games journalists, likely they're probably going to remember or write about things that they remember themselves. And yeah. not everything right. that a game, games journalist is going to, not everything that a games journalist knows is exactly the way it actually went down. Mm-hmm. Like right. in like in certain cases, uh, maybe somebody recounts a certain way that maybe people like Shigeru Miyamoto might have said something about this but when somebody who was there working with Shigeru Miyamoto might say oh no that's not actually how it happened this is how it actually happened the game journalist is going to relate the story of how Shigeru Miyamoto told him that story not Mm. what the person who was actually working with Shigeru Miyamoto might say about how it actually went down so 
I would say I'm not in it for the hyper accuracy <clears throat> of facts, but I am in it for the experience of enjoying a video game book and a visual right. compendium of how I w- I'm going to enjoy it. Sure, maybe later on there might be a little bit of a mistake or an error, and they can always come out with an errata page. Say, all right, according mm. to uh, I, we were mistaken, this came out in 1987, but actually it came out in 1986. Me as a reader. I am not going. That suck. That kind of thing is not going to factor into my enjoyment of the book itself mm-hmm. or the memories that I'm going to be enjoying while I'm reading the book. So, it's like a tiny little thing that say, ah, whatever. It's not really something that that's 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 some that's it's not really something that matters in my experience or enjoyment of the book. It might matter to somebody who is looking for hyper accuracy, and I can't fault them for that because if they mm-hmm. want pure, absolute, unadulterated history of video games. That's an that's a worthwhile effort and endeavor as well. And maybe someday in the in the future, somebody is going to write a book like that, that is absolutely faithful to everything that happened in history, but as an enjoyable book, it. But as a book, it might not be as enjoyable to me if it focuses way too much on hyper accuracy or on yes, absolute right. fact checking. Mm. Uh, we got a question here from Sir Dave Scott, Sir JDM, mm. if, we, if you please. Yes, uh, Sir Dave Scott is asking the design and the art of the books are absolutely top notch. Mm. But how about the writing itself? Are mm-hmm. they at par with the best video game books out there? Well, what are the video, what what are the best video game books out there? <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, the closest. Uh, sir, uh, sir, uh, maybe Sir Joe yeah. can also answer Jamar. this one. Mm, Joe, well, actually, Peter Joe can answer this one because. He, he was he was comparing it to a new to, to those modern things, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, in terms of uh, in terms of the writing, uh, ah, how do you yeah. find the writing? Uh, in terms how of do the you writing? like the writing? Mm. Well, yeah, I, I I do like the writing. It I, I've been I've been uh, reading magazines like uh, Marvel. It looked like that. It looked like the, the uh, uh, game uh, game magazine. So yeah, everybody would enjoy it because it's not dull. For example, this one. Um, Uh, punch out, punch out. Yeah, punch out. So you're reading it, but would you read it first? No, you're gonna mm. look at the picture back and forth, back and forth, and then oh, this is nice. So what's what is this picture? What's the story behind it? Right, right, mm. right. So that's when you read it, and then what you're gonna do? You're gonna weave again, and then what? Whatever you see that looks interesting to you, you stop there, and then mm. you look at the picture again, and then you read it. Um, the 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 design of the art. And what what uh, and the Texas? It's it's very aesthetic to each other. It's mm-hmm. it, it's it's not a sore eye, you know. Yes, right. Uh, I I I, I kind of liken it to the, the legend of the development of Pac-Man. Uh, oh, yeah. The famous story is that they were trying to come up with the design of the protagonist, the Pac-Man. And one day they were sitting around having pizza, and somebody took pizza. a slice of pizza, a slice off of the pizza. And when they looked down at the pizza, everybody said, "That's it. There it is. That's who Pac-Man is." I mean, that's a fun legend that you want mm-hmm. to tell everybody, and it's a great story. But it might not necessarily have actually happened like that. Maybe in the, maybe the way it is, is some guy in in a cubicle somewhere was just drawing on a graph paper, and kind of like in the end of it, this is how it turns out. It's not as 
exciting as as something uh, to read the way that it that is presented but we it call it is... happy accidents <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> the way it's the way it's the way it happens. lazy happy accidents i would say sometimes uh i i i'm all for f- absolute facts when it comes to research but it, when it comes to storytelling sometimes mm-hmm. you have to make the 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 facts kind of play around the, so that it'll be more enjoyable for the reader itself now if yeah. the reader wants to delve further into how things actually happened they can always do their own research some some other way right but, mm-hmm. yes jomar you're i think you were about to say something oh no it's okay but uh, anyways uh like gradius and mm. i don't know tito joel you, you, you they're they're referencing yes star wars right? yes yes that's true they, mm-hmm. they were thinking of a they were kind of game yeah mm-hmm. Gradius. Uh, what year, uh, what year did gradius came out uh we just ran across i mean gradius star wars came out though. 78 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but oh gradius was it was in the 80s i'd say mm-hmm. yeah right so they were like uh referencing Uh, they, they're thinking of something, and then they're, they're referencing about Star Wars. Mm. So, well, when you're it kind of looked like a you never knew. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, huh? No, I was gonna say uh, the enemies in uh, the enemies in uh, in, uh, in Star Wars uh, in Gradius, they don't mm. look exactly like you know uh, like uh, the like the Tie Fighters or the no, no. or the at or, or the <laughs> that's. Like or, or the or the, or the star destroyers. Oh, no, of no, course, no, you don't no. want to make it look like exactly no, like no, that. No, yeah. Now in this case, Close like like in the, the like no, like in the article here, uh, for the world of the game, we were very influenced by science fiction movies. The popular sci-fi go. movies at the time yeah. were Star Wars star and Wars. Lensman. Uh, Lensman had just come out, and we were thinking Lensman? about what kind of get. Yes, Lensman. If, uh, that Lensman was an anime, if I remember correctly, uh, based on oh. Based on a sci-fi book series, and I know, it, I know Captain Harlock though. Oh, Captain Harlock was amazing. Yeah, I do remember I a Captain couple Harlock. of episodes of watching yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. there you go. And that like like uh, and that this is Machi Machiguchi Hiroyasu already, the director of Gradius. Uh, Jomar uh, uh, was uh, remembering that part of it about the fact that they yes. were referencing Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, be, Jomar. Uh, because if you, if you're if you're for example, you never heard about Gradius, right? And then you read mm-hmm. read this article about uh, Gradius. Yes. Uh, who who doesn't know Star Wars? Mm. If once once you read this, so they're referencing Star Wars. Let let me let me check this out. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that, and then um, you know, there you go. <laughs> very true. Very true. Um, here's another. Here's another example that I can uh, that I can talk about in terms of of discovering the new things from this book, from the NES Famicom Visual Compendium. I played this game, Labyrinth. Uh, mm-hmm. For those of you who are mm-hmm. familiar with the Labyrinth movie with Jennifer Connelly and and David Bowie, David Bowie. What? Yeah. Uh, yes, what? David Bowie. Uh, yeah, David Bowie. Yes, when you know uh, with a, with a big wig. Yes, with a big <laughs> wig, exactly. And a lot of people—that's not the—that's not the visual that people first gravitated towards when it came to David. I Bowie's remember Labyrinth. Labyrinth because of Jennifer Connelly's nips. <laughs> what? She okay, wasn't wearing a go. bra. Yeah, I mean, that's she was what I think. 14 years old then I think maybe 14 or 15 years old come on <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's the thing holy Labyrinth. story Batman 
Uh, I know. <laughs> but, you know. Hey, she we wasn't wearing anything underneath we that were, shirt. Come and on. We were kids back then, too. We were all also 14 years old around that time, I'd say. So, you know. So, but then again, if you'd seen the movie, you enjoyed it a lot. You saw this game, Labyrinth, Mauna Make You. You played the game. It was played very differently from how you imagined the movie to run. Sure, it would hit the same story beats of the movie, like meeting Hog, uh, uh, Hoggle, Ludo, and Didymus, and you know, um, um, Jareth suddenly popping up, David Bowie, Jareth suddenly popping up and suddenly taking away hours of your time. Unfortunately, Jennifer mistake. Connelly is not in the game, though. Uh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> she, I mean, I mean, her her avatar is, but she's it's not her likeness. This is supposed it's to be her. It's not her likeness, right no. Yeah, exactly. I mean... I cannot make out anything in there. I wish. I, I wish, <laughs> it, I wish it was her likeness. Yeah. So Just pixelated... <laughs> It's not. It's so, so the fact is, it's not just the most popular games. It's not just Super Mario Brothers. It's not just Donkey Kong. It's not just Gradius. It's also the lesser known games like Labyrinth or uh, like like I said, Devil World. The games that never made it to the United States. Yes. Uh, they do feature here as well, and it's 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 a really good. It's a really good mix of games that you would probably enjoy. Uh, there's also the the Namco feature. One of my uh, one of the one of the companies that I always admired mm. way back when was Namco. They have a nice write up here about how how it started and how what games that they what games they produced. One of my favorite Star Wars games, you know, one of the hardest mm-hmm. ones, honestly, was this was the Namco Star Wars, the Japanese Star Wars. It Japanese. was very different from from the Star Wars that came out in in the West, but this one was was it was so, better. That actually did it much better. I agree. I agree. It was also bonkers. Is that the one where you fight Darth Vader and then he turns into a scorpion? Precisely yes. that one. Yes. <laughs> I mean, uh, you, you, once once that happens, you think I don't remember this from the movie, but let's go with it. You know. Okay. I would ask you, Sergio. Do, do you rather have that or a really bad gameplay the whole game? Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah, but Darth Vader turning into a scorpion. Well, <laughs> I, I would take that anytime. No. Um, the, Uh, than the you know western part of it you know, oh, yeah. the, the western right, version right. of the oh, star yeah. wars that's true, that's right. Right. It, it kind of it kind of plays exactly into how we're talking about it. it's not accurate to the to the movie but it's fun it's the yes. same way the way the way that it is with this was book. it though <laughs> i mean it was <laughs> i mean yeah. there are certain things about the the book that are not hyper accurate to the to how things actually played out but the book is hella fun honestly overall uh of course contra there's there's this i agree with this guy's right upon contra i believe that there are very few perfect video games i believe contra is one of them there you go i agree with that one it's it's a it's, it's an a illustration it's a it's a statement it's not factual but it is an opinion and the fact is the way this the way people write here you relate how they feel about the video looks like a penis with teeth i know (laughs) (laughs) which is you know a nightmare i guess so there so the the way it is the way i think penis yes the way it's written is you will enjoy you will enjoy the book (laughs) you will enjoy the book as it is written you will enjoy the book Uh, as as it is laid out there you go you will enjoy almost everything about the visual compendium of 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 the famicom and nes right So yes. I would and say 
Mm-hmm. Yes, and guys, it's, it's it's not just the games that they're um, talking about in the book. It's also the accessories that uh, the oh yes, that's accessories true. and the third party. I think they have uh, they had the, uh, the power glove about the mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. I think uh, the, the zapper, the power glove, Rob, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even Over, even U mm-hmm. uh, Force, the mm-hmm. um, uh, the NEX the NEX Max, mm-hmm. you know the. the, the one with the turbo button. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, let let's put it this way. Uh, we're not going to go further into the book because we, I we promise that we're just going to show excerpts. But yeah, uh going back to the to the table of contents, you do have hardware photography. You have interviews with uh, developers with 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 dream journalists and you have a little bit of collection of box arts. Uh and homebrew games and unreleased games for the NESN Famicom. So we're, I say it was this is a good place to kind of put a pin on this already and tell everybody that the NES uh, Famicom Visual Compendium, I would say, is a triumph in terms of oh. a book that you might want to get for your bookshelf. Yes, John, you were saying. Sir, Sir Dave Scott mentioned something here. I also mm. remember in this game, if you open the gun port on your Famicom, then shake the pins with the coin. <laughs> you can skip stages. What game is that? I, I, I'm not brave enough to try that because I'm always worried that I'm going to get electrocuted. What? I'm, I have a bad <laughs> uh, I have a bad relationship with electricity because, well, you know. Well, I mean, there, there, are only, there, are a few, there are only a few games in the Famicom mm. that uses the zapper. Mm. I, I'm, I, I doubt that's Duck Hunt. <laughs> Star Wars. What? Well, there you go. Is that, is that an Wars? EGM hoax? It's like what? shorting really? the April. It's like shorting really? the, the the console. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. I did not know that. Oh, Reiki even what? says Star Wars. What? Why, oh, really? Why just go. not use the mm-hmm. the zapper itself instead of using a coin? You might get it. No, because if you use the zapper, uh, you're you're shorting the right in, in the right place. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So you have right. to short it. <laughs> well, that, that yeah, again, yeah. That, again, that's that's I would I don't want to do. I, I never want to do that because I have a I have a very bad relationship with electricity. One t- uh, right. side side story. My, one time, my brother was fiddling around with with a lamp, and he he says that he felt electricity through it. And when he touched it, he 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 accidentally threw his hand up, hit me, and I felt the electricity run through it. So even if I'm not touching the electricity, I can still get zapped anyway. So okay. anyway, that's so, it. Here, here's a public uh, here's a public service announcement coming from the timeless game. Show and Sir Dave Scott. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do this on a Star Wars, yes. Okay, so if you want to skip some skip some uh, some stages, wear some, wear a pair of gloves, thick ones, mm-hmm. and then use a coin <laughs> to short the pins on the <laughs> on the Famicom zapper. Okay. All right, Dave. I'll uh, leave that to you. I'll watch you do it, and afterwards enjoy the gameplay. All right. <laughs> all right, um, Sir Rick. You says uh, it's true cause in the Famicom you need a third controller to execute a level skip code but mm. shorting the port using a coin will do huh? unsafe mm. but hey they, they will do the job okay uh, so before we close with the nes um to sir jomar and sir joel uh how would you recommend this to those people who grew up with the nes famicom sir jomar jomar uh would you, re- uh, would you recommend one. it how yeah. yes one of one like the one ring yeah go grab it mm-hmm yeah, it's it's, I, it's, it's it's a recommendation for me. It's uh, actually I I would love to get it mm-hmm. uh, because I'm 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 uh, fixing my be- uh, my basement. 
So mm. I, I would love to have that on my basement. Actually, I'm, jo- I'm lo- looking at uh, 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 their the, the, all their publications, mm. and I want to buy them all. Oh yeah, there's there's a <laughs> ton of great stuff. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. There's mm. a lot. I mean, just having a quick look. I, I, I'll let me just throw up the uh, the their uh, what you call this there. Their uh, web page. Yeah, their web page. Yeah. Let me just put that up there. From what I from what I'm looking at, uh, here. Let's just bring this over. Uh, for all of you guys listening, watching us right now, it's uh, bitmapbooks.com. If you are mm. interested in in any of their publications whatsoever, any genre that you're uh, that you're in particularly fond of, they mm. got it. I, I would agree because of the fact that the stuff that they have is is just really top notch. Uh, they have the N64 Visual Compendium. Uh, let me just jump forward. This is the CRPG book. I have that one, the Computer RPG book. This is a guide to computer role playing games, and it's not just limited to a certain platform. It also includes the DOS uh, DOS era RPGs. So the thing about the jaw is that you you might want to check those out. I know you're a JRPG guy, but you might want to check to that out them. too. There to you go. Oh yeah, JDM highly recommended. <laughs> uh, JDM goes, most likely. Go straight. The ultimate guide to side scrolling beat em ups. Dan. Beat em up. Dan, yeah, I like that. Absolutely yeah. love that one. And of course, we're talking about the point, art of point and click games. The games that weren't, the games that that never made it to full production. It's also nice to talk to think about it. And of course, this is uh, Joss, um, a guide to Japanese role playing games. Uh, he he was very well pleased with this one. Uh, there's mm-hmm. also other books like the Zen- Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Things that we Filipinos are not really familiar with yes. certain computer systems like this the zx spectrum we only start to hear about it now and we want to find out what's what 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 software that it ran so, this is a really good way to approach it a way for you to find out and of course metal slug the ultimate history if you're a metal slug fan they've got right they've got it right there my brother would love this one the king of fighters the ultimate history my my brother look at this yeah i've never knew that you you can make a really thick book on just the mm. history of king of fighters mm. i mean and metal slug really yeah i mean yeah i mean you'd be surprised <laughs> And of course, of course, I'm I'm too young to die. The ultimate guide to first-person shooters, ah, FPS games. I'm not, F- I'm not. Yes. I like the game genre. I'm just no good at it. <laughs> so that's the same way with with tactical RPGs. And of course, uh, Commodore, Amiga, Neo Geo, Visual History. They've got a ton of great books. They've got a ton of great game books. Honestly, highly recommend that you check them out. And some of them are actually on sale now. You might wanna, you might wanna yes. have a quick look at them. So. You might pick. You might pick up a, a few after Christmas, uh, a few after Christmas presents for yourself. Yeah. Right. And uh, so, thank you for Sir JDM for sharing their website link right there on the chat. Mm-hmm. So we can probably uh, go now to the SNES segment of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the SNES, uh, we got Sir Joel and Sir JDM who also did uh, the SNES books. So mm-hmm. let's go with Sir JDM. And Sir Joel will uh, will share the PDF for the SNES book. So, Sir JDM, what can you tell us about the SNES? Uh, actually, um, to be honest, I haven't read the SNES. Just the NES. <laughs> mm, so, now, I, in pictures. our case, mm, in our case, we uh, sadly sad to say it was uh, it was me and Raymond Orendes who was actually teamed up for the SNES book and uh, Mr. Raymond Orendes could not make it today because he's he's uh, at an event um, we'll we'll talk about that in event in a little while but yes uh, I've read through the SNES book and 
right off the bat, I'm going to say whatever I've talked about in the uh, visual compendium of the NES Famicom, it is just as good in this one. If not, hang on, let if, me take a look. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, Go so ahead. we got, uh, so we got Ness from Earthbound. Yes. We got Chrono mm-hmm. from Chrono Trigger, of course. Yes, of course. Best JRPG, my ass. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we, we got Luigi. Um, we got Luigi. Yeah, it's Luigi. It's not Mario, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, the guy, the guy from Pilot Wings. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got uh, Vega or Balrog or whichever Street Fighter uh, you're you're accustomed with. Uh, we got Cyclops yeah. over there from the X Men <laughs> games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got Toad from Super Mario, uh, f- um, Mario Kart, Kart, mm-hmm. yeah. And you also got uh, Donkey Kong from Donkey Kong Country. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, oh, uh, is that um, uh, is that the ninja from uh, uh, Hagane? Probably. I, the thing about it is, uh, there's also yeah, the I eye for me. Yeah. yeah. There's also the eye from Indiana Jones, Hagan, and of course, yeah. on the upper right, there's there's um, the Earthbound Kid. Mm. There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> the thing about, uh, I would say, um, the nice thing about it is the unofficial Super SNES Super Famicom Visual Compendium Guide. You're talking to somebody who has, <laughs> okay, um, in, in the chat. So somebody, somebody, thank you, thank you. I might as well put it up. Uh, saying Chrono Trigger is the best RPG will summon Derek of RGT. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Very true. Uh, the thing about it is, you're you're talking to somebody who never had a Super NES, who never had an SNES in his entire life. I've only played SNES games when I went to Green Hills in the Philippines to rent the the console for one hour at a time to try out the games that are there. Uh, uh, during that time, during the during the console wars era, I had a choice to play to buy either an SNES. Or Sega Genesis, I or Mega Drive, it was as it was known in the Philippines back then. I bought the Mega Drive because of how impressive it was when it when it popped up on like the uh, Shinobi, um, the game. Now, this the in my uh, in our case, or Joel, mm-hmm. uh, back in the uh, during the console wars of the early nineties, mm-hmm. either either you buy the SNES uh-huh. or the Sega. Mm-hmm. I chose food. <laughs> I can afford those, and you know, mm. I'm, I, I'm better. I'm better off living. Mm. <laughs> of course, of course. Now the thing about it is, the, the, you're, I'm approaching this as somebody who's never had an SNES. Although I have played certain SNES games, so I'm approaching this as somebody who is discovering all these amazing games for the SNES Super Famicom, and I am floored. By how many games there are, this 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 um, table of contents. I know it's not a comprehensive list of SNES games, but I am absolutely floored at how many games there are. And I factoring in, let's say, about out of a thousand SNES games, maybe about only fifteen or twenty percent of them are are potential classics that's still 200 games that i'm probably going to enjoy for the rest of my life if i ever get the chance to enjoy them so the 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 list of course there's a tremendous number of supers here right there you can see the name super 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 but yeah yeah but very good gaming sense coming from nintendo they really leaned into the super in anything 
there you go. They really <laughs> leaned into it. Of course, the the format is the same way that it, it talks about how the 16-bit revolution happened after the 8-bit era was winding down. The 16-bit revolution, a little bit of history here. I'm absolutely sure there's going to be a few inaccuracies there because we are all familiar. We had a previous episode called The Console Wars here in Timeless Gamer Show where we discussed the book by... Um, uh, Blake Harris, am I remember remembering correctly, Joe? Was that was that right? Uh, with, uh, yeah, uh, when mm-hmm. we did console wars with Blake Harris, which also mm-hmm. Sir Dave Scott was also a part of. Yeah, there you go. That's it, Dave. Uh, you, you, you're gonna uh, you're gonna be appreciating. Yeah, quick this shout one. out to Sir Dave. Yes, there yes. you go. Um, it was the, there's an essay here about how things turned out when it came to the SNES. And that afterwards, it just jumps straight into the games themselves. So games like F Zero, F Zero, uh, same format. It's not. It's not every single every single write up is by a programmer. Some of them are written by guest reviewers and game journalists. Super Mario World. We're showing ep- excerpts here, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. We're not going to show the entire book, but we'll. It's we're showing you how Super Mario World. Also, of course, Shigeru Miyamoto is also there talking a little bit. Also, uh, Toshihiko Nakago, the programming director. So it is almost the same format as the NES uh, visual compendium. Very much magazine style, Pilot Wings, very special game to me because Jockey gave that to me. And it's, it's, it, I would say it's almost as if, uh, it's almost as if they, they saw how good the, the NES Famicom Visual Camp Compendium came out and decided why mess with what works. I would say, They, that's the exact correct thing that you should do. If something works, don't fiddle around with the formula because it works. People like it. People want to buy it, and people will consume it. And it's it's a good way to it's a good way to keep people uh, interested and buying the things that you are selling. So in this case, uh, games like Super Tennis, UN Squadron, or Area 88. Uh, East three wanders from East. Oh my God, East three, mm. yeah. There you go. There are there are splashes, pages, entire pages of how the games look like. Little factoids about the when it's first released, like 1991, uh, the developer Nikon Falcom and the publisher being Sammy, and of course the ta- the person who talks about this is going to be Ko- uh, Koji Okata, the graphic artist. So it's it's a good way to present the games that, especially for people like me who have no idea about how deep the library of the Super NES is, and it whets my appetite. I really, after reading all these write-ups and seeing all these pictures, I do want to jump in, like like. Uh, open up my my Super Famicom Classic over there, and then just play through whatever is there. Because I I would say of the thousands of games I've played in my lifetime, I would say I would probably count maybe only about less than five percent of them are Super NES games, and that is to my regret. Honestly, I just wish uh, that I I had gotten more into it. Yes, a John, question a question to Sir Jomer and Sir JDM. So looking at the book. Uh, sample uh, the, the PDF right now. Uh, what Sir Joel uh, uh, is showing us right now. Um, any of those entries that made you remember some of the games that you played? Uh, Sir Joel, first. Okay, yeah. 
So, um, well, <clears throat> I'm on the Nest, right? But you gave me also this uh, the, the the PDF for this one. Yes, I was, yeah. I was, I was uh, going through the the pages, and yes, th- there's a lot of game that brought back memory, and there's also a lot of game that I'm getting interested in. Mm-hmm. So now I'm thinking of grabbing those original games and uh, looking for them, and then uh, grabbing them for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so JDM. For me, I haven't really played uh, SNES. I even I back in the 90s, I didn't even know there was NES and Mega Drive. And uh, looking at this book, um, yeah, it looks colorful as well. It's uh, much clearer than the uh, pictures or the photos that they had in the NES because of the um, better graphics because thank you 16-bit <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, much more uh, you can see the improvement in the graphics uh, uh, department and it also now right now it appeals to me I tried uh, Final Fantasy 6 and some other games like Pilot Wings. I tried Pilot Wings because um, I played Pilot Wings 64. Then before they tra- uh, before they transitioned to the 3D, they had uh, Pilot Wings on the SNES, and they're applying real life physics in the game that was made in the earlier days of the console so yeah um in regarding with my experience back in the mid 90s especially in the philippines the nes famicom was still on full swing mm-hmm. uh, the super nes came out at 95 and during the mid 90s especially with the rental shops back home in manila uh, in the philippines Uh, the NES is still quite in full swing, and for a good for a good chunk of of that time period, like Sir JDM, I really didn't realize there was an SNES. Mm. So, for what little that I know about the SNES, it only revolved it only revolved with a few games like Final Fight. Yeah, Final Fight. Final Fight, yes. Final Fight One, Two, and Three. Street Fighter. Um, Street Fighter Two. <laughs> yeah. Mortal Kombat One and Two. Uh-huh. And Super Mario World, eh. and uh, what else? I mean, I mean that's all really. Yeah. Uh, and not until just recently, when uh, when Sir Dan dared me to play Chrono Trigger, just to put the uh, just to put the <laughs> argument at, uh, to sleep, saying that Chrono Trigger is the best RPG out there. So I play it. So. So after I played Fantasy Star 4 on the Mega Drive, he said, "Okay, now you played uh, Fantasy Star 4 on the Mega Drive. Play Chrono Trigger in the Super SNES and uh, the Super SNES just to compare yourself, Mike." <laughs> I'm trying my best to do the uh, Dan Faulkner uh, accent here. Oh no, that that accent is very unique. I have to say, very unique. <laughs> oh. So how about how about it, Joe? Uh, try. Uh, after trying Fantasy Star 4 on the <laughs> on the Mega Drive, see if you like Chrono Trigger on the Super Nintendo, and see if you see, and if you believe that it's the greatest JRPG 
ever made, mate. <laughs> Why? You, you, that's a pretty good approximation, actually. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. <laughs> Oh I like. I mean, I mean, I, well, I did play Chrono Trigger. I liked it. Is it the best JRPG ever made? Eh. Maybe at <laughs> time, sure. Actually, Sergio well, uh, was uh, still fortunate because back in when I was living in Novaliches, I only see Mega Drive and arcades. I mm. didn't even know that there was an SNES mm. because um, one of our like my. Uh, cousins, if I remember, he's the one who introduced me to the Mega Drive. So I didn't know that there was such a console, a 16-bit console. So I I was stuck at that and arcade. I didn't mm. even know that there was an SNES. I just um, I know N64, but I didn't know that there was um, like an in-between. Be- Uh, NES and N64. Then mm. that's when I realized there was SNES. So I missed a quarter of my life mm. <laughs> not, <laughs> not learning about the SNES. So Sergio Same thing was as Tito Joe was saying, you know, mm. uh, we were in Manila, right? Yeah. So we have those consoles on uh, those rental shops. Mm-hmm. But then, like Joe, uh, Sir Joe was saying, that also is. Uh, SNES have those fighting games stuff like that uh, I never I never uh, tried NES uh, uh, Super NES like mm. like Genesis uh, like what I have with Genesis because why? because of the games for example mm-hmm. uh, I, I do like Michael Jackson yes mm-hmm. right so Uh, whenever I go to the computer shop, I I always sit there and uh, play Michael Jackson because of the you know uh, those uh, like dungeon crawling uh, or uh, RPG like. So I, I I've never seen some RPG on SNES. That that's the reason that I I did not you know uh, get into uh, SNES b- before. Well, I have to admit the one thing about one thing about the Super NES or the SNES or Super Famicom. Uh, sad to say, uh, it it came across as uh, what's right. I, I don't even want to say this, but um, the consoles war, the console wars were still very much, uh, were still very much in effect. Were very much in effect back then, and mm-hmm. uh, marketing wise, Sega really, really positioned themselves as the mature gamers uh, console already, mm-hmm. and. A lot of us really, really got into the idea that we're already beyond 8-bit. Uh, we're already beyond the kid console. Now let's get into the real mature stuff, which is the Sega Genesis. And that's not a bad thing. But also corollary to that, we lost out on the other console, which was the Super NES, because of the fact that it was perceived as having a lot of kiddie uh, yes. software, a lot of uh, games that are geared towards the young audience. And now that looking back at it, it was very deceptive because of the fact that it might look like it's a kiddie software, but honestly, a lot of it is really good stuff. Like ActRaiser, ActRaiser yeah, yeah. is a serious game. We're talking like, we're talking about a game that is uh, that has you as the personification of 
uh, as the avatar of a divine being going down into people's into the into the human level and fighting monsters and that's that's really religious heavy stuff and that that's yeah. that's serious uh seriously interesting things that uh, we missed out on because of the fact that we thought it was a kitty console and now i'm starting to discover it and i am yeah. going to delve into the super nes library because of the SNES Super Famicom Visual Compendium. Thank you very much. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the, uh, uh, that's why we we need this kind of uh, uh, publication before, mm, uh, yes. because if you're just gonna go to your local computer shop and then you see what they have, mm. uh, you're not gonna like it, right? Yes. The, the, their their collection of game collection. But if you had this, mm. uh, you like, oh, you know, there's a there's a lot of stuff that's really cool on that SNES. Completely agreed. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I would like to point out, especially uh, with our non-Filipino viewers, listeners, and especially mm. with with bitmap books, we mm. are uh, because bit, the bitmap books are more catered to the Western audience. <laughs> us doing this show on a Filipino outlook and a point of view of the other side of the world. Who, for the lack of uh, for the uh, for the lack of trying, not for the lack of trying, getting into the the library as much as possible with the super uh, with the Super Nintendo. We were not, us in Asia. Mm. We usually get uh, we usually get our games from Japan mostly, especially with the Famicom, especially uh, with the with the late eighties and the early nineties. Famicom, mm. Japan, Nintendo. Yeah, they're a little bit more closer to us. So. For all of our uh, for all of our childhood memories, it's all about Nintendo NES, Famicom. Mm-hmm. But uh, with the Super NES, they're more they're more catered to uh, to the North Americas, South Americas, and even Europe. By the time it reached to us, it it was like what ten years after the fact. Yes. Mm-hmm. So we are just uh, so our opinion uh, our opinions about these uh, about the games and the book per se. Mm. Might be a little bit different from what you are hoping for because it was a different time for us. It was a di- it was a different circumstances, a different circumstance back then for us. Mm. It, uh, uh, we were hoping that Sir Viraj and Sir Dan, uh, our timeless gamer panelist coming from Britain, could have joined us here because they could have shared a few experiences in regarding with the Super Famicom because. Mm-hmm. They're more they're more Sega guys than Nintendo guys anyway. Although uh, that being said, they also they also did enjoy Super Famicom games in their own right. Mm-hmm. Would have been nice if we uh, if we if we could have had them in this uh, in this in this episode for for a more diverse exchange of opinions in regarding with with the entries of the book itself. Yeah, but the nice thing about it is there's always the chats later on, and of course in Timeless Gamer Show if Facebook page, they can always post their opinions. Love, uh, uh, and, and it's not just limited to the show itself. Uh, people can talk about our discussion here with Bitmap Books and whatever games are we're we're featuring in the chats in a later date. And I mean, that's the wonderful thing about the internet. <laughs> yeah, and for example, we have. Uh... Uh, chat here from Reiki who says mm. uh, NBA Jam and NBA Jam Tournament Edition on the SNES will always be special for him. Mm-hmm. 
Was See, there any difference between the two? Like, I mean, is, is the guy still saying, He's on fire! Boom! Shakalaka! <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. I think Tournament Edition has more players, like more uh, more lineups to choose from, I think. That's the thing. And I, I, I remember playing NBA Jam with a, with a buddy of mine, and I... And I, I, I Uh, he accused me of being Bakau with the ball. Bakau being somebody, somebody who just can't holds on to the ball and doesn't doesn't pass it hug. to anybody. Yeah, yeah. ball hogging. You know? Ball hogging. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I I'm just I'm, I'm sorry to have to say this, but I was very much a ball hog when it came to NBA Jam. Yeah. <laughs> oh, here, before here, there was before there was NBA Jam, there was double dribble though. Oh, oh double yeah. Dribble, double dribble. Yes, that that, that is yeah. from. Uh... Uh, yeah, Famicom, Jenny, Famicom, Famicom. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. true. I mean, nothing compares to the hype of you doing a dunk in in in, yeah, you in can dunk. double dribble. Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you can dunk from the three points. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> from, the, from the three point line. Yeah, three point line. well, they are, the they were flying. It was it was it was a fun time, and uh, uh, I guess to, to kind of close it out, the the the. The SNES Famicom book is a really good way to introduce people who have not really delved into the SNES and Famicom library, especially this game, Evo, uh, Search for Eden. It's semi, semi-educational. It teaches kids about evolution and how uh, a microbial cell can go from a tiny little thing to a gigantic dinosaur in the future. It's yeah, we call it Seaman. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do remember Seaman. Yeah. Well, it's it's the fact is this this book is a good way to do it. And thanks to Bitmap Box, a game a book like this that deals about that deals with games that we have not had the chance to encounter and games that we are already very familiar to us is presented in a very visually appealing format. Again, Bitmap Box, the unofficial SNES Super Famicom visual compendium, highly recommend. The highest quality publication. <clears throat> really good quality book. Uh, it you would be proud to have this book in your bookshelf. And we're not talk. We're talking not just about the Western audience here. Asian audiences, I'm absolutely sure, will absolutely love to get these books because this is not just about. This is not just something to show off to your friends. Something to reminisce by yourself. That's true. It is a good way to teach younger generations. I one of the one of the. One of the purposes of Bitmap Books, according to the website, is games preservation, and it sh- it tells about how Bitmap Books wants to contribute to the effort of remembering these games and the, this artwork, this art form, so that it's not lost to time. Mm-hmm. So this is a really good way of doing it as well. Mm-hmm. I would also like to add that with uh, with Super Nintendo and Super Famicom, mm. because there's a lot more memory that the developers can push mm. in there. They can push more a lot narrative, mm. meaning they can push a lot more story, more text. Mm-hmm. If you're living in the Philippines, most likely you're gonna get the Super Famicom, which the games will be coming out in Japanese. Yes, so. Unlike these, unlike the NES or Famicom, where mm. you just plug and play, you don't have to read anything just to get the gist of the game. Mm. With the Super Nintendo, they introduce a lot of text and game mechanics that you really need to read all of those texts just to know where the fuck you're going, just to know <laughs> the fuck what you, that, you're, you're, that you're supposed to do, unless you mm. read the manual. Mm-hmm. But who reads the manual? Right? <laughs> so unless you have a, uh, unless you're one of those, uh, almost those privileged 
kids back then. Mm. Uh, you have some uh, you have some relatives in the United States that will just uh, ship you out like an actual Super NES console, and you'll you'll be able to play those games and English mm. ba- English English localized games. Then you're good. But mm. not a lot of but not a lot of people, not a lot of kids back in Manila, are are quite fortunate in that regard. All right, so I guess that we can close it up by saying the Bitmap Books uh, unofficial SNES Super Famicom Visual Compendium is well worth the time, money, and effort to invest in. It's really a good way to introduce yourself to the things that you never enjoyed or that you might Ooh. have forgotten. Oh, uh, there you go. Uh, you were Master you were about Jet to say from Shuffle Emporium. Yes. Asking, does it have a physical copy? It does. Yes, it has a physical copy. Highly recommended. If you are, if you are uh, the kind of person who wants something for posterity's sake, for preservation, definitely get the physical copy from Bitmap. Always Books buy website. physical, guys. I agree. To hell with digital. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you were about to say, Jomar. They have the physical copy. They have the physical copy. No, no, you. Oh, me? Not yet. But I am definitely buying it one by one right now. I'm starting off with the NES and SNES books. And, of course, the point-and-click books because of the fact that... uh, Work their way up. Yes, working my way up. And and I might get the books that I never had any experience in because of the fact that the SNES Super Famicom book showed me that there's a lot out there that I've never experienced yet. And there might be something that that I might enjoy that I've never heard about. Thanks very much to books like this. There you go. Just make sure and that I, you have the shelf space. Yeah, that's true. There's also that, the shelf yeah. space. Oh, and especially if, you, if you're not living in Florida. Mm, oh, yes. God, mm. no, God knows they're not banning these books. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, um, Joe, back to you. All right. Uh, so thank, uh, thank you for that, guys. So uh, we will. Uh, so on the second half of the show, we'll uh, we will play a uh, another uh, another video uh, another video review from one of our panelists. And this time, it's not a PDF, but an actual uh, bitmap book that he got from um, that he actually purchased, and he's willing to share his thoughts about that particular bitmap book that he got so um here he is what's up everyone this is joe rpg with another video for you and this time we are going to unravel this special package right here that was just delivered to me as of today during this christmas season and the contents well i believe that every JRPG fan should have in their collection. So let's open this baby up and dive right in. And as you can see, what we got here is the a guide to Japanese role-playing games which is a big book actually as you can see right here and it's um oh boy it's a pretty big and it's a pretty big book it's quite a heavy book actually and according to the packaging the weight is right around 2.66 kilograms I got it 
from a website called fishpond.com.au and the price was 136 Australian dollars and it's from bitmap books welcome to the world of Japanese role-playing games video role-playing games adapted for computers from their pen and paper forebears have been around since the earliest days of digital gaming introductions right here by Kurt Kalata and a lot of contributors so right here on the next page we got what is a JRPG some colored pictures a history of RPGs in Japan localization soundtracks anime of course Japanese role-playing games and anime sometimes go hand-in-hand hand. attack and the throne god remakes oh boy there are a lot of remakes Japanese PC RPGs there are quite a lot actually if anything I can say about this book it's a tome like a, like a very big tome an encyclopedia of all Japanese role-playing games released in the very beginning of things so for all of the JRPG fans you're going to spend a lot of time flipping through the pages of this book it's going to be a good read especially to those who are not really familiar with the earlier and the obscure Japanese role-playing games so it's quite interesting on how they arranged the book Sometimes they would arrange it in alphabetical, sometimes they arrange it in chronological order, and sometimes they would arrange it according to their theme, according to their franchise, and according to their subgenre. And another thing about this book is that they allocated sections for the big JRPG companies. So it says right here. Got Falcom and their releases of RPG games. Is YS Legend of Heroes, of course, Enix and their Dragon Quest before the merger with Square. Of course, Final Fantasy by Squaresoft. It goes without saying, Final Fantasy should be here. And then of course you got Shin Megami Tensei and its spin-off Persona by Atlas. I am really impressed with the way they compiled all of these. Next we got Namco's Tales of series. And at the making of this video, they haven't included Tales of Arise yet, so that's fine. Star Ocean. Well, yeah. Star Ocean by Tri-Ace because I thought Star Ocean was published by Enix. Of course, you got Valkyrie Profile. You also got your Chrono Trigger, another main staple from Squaresoft, Chrono Cross, Seno Gears, the Seno Saga Trilogy, the Seno Blade Chronicles, and of course the classic Mother. Or the Earthbound series. You got Fantasy Star, which was Sega's answer to Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy during the 8-bit and 16-bit era. 
I am loving this book. I mean, I'm just flipping through the pages and I'm just enjoying the photographs. Holy shit. We got Lufia. Lunar. The Breath of Fire series. Super Mario RPG also made the cut. Of course, Grandia. Wild Arms. And the fan favorite Suikoden, Kudelka, Shadow Hearts, the Atelier series, oh boy. Lega uh, Legend of Legaya is also here. Oh, Rhapsody! Batten Kaitos for the Nintendo GameCube, the Dot Hack series. Mega Man also made the cut, like the Mega Man Battle Network, it's here. And the Mega Man X Command mission. Ooh, evolution for your um, evolution is here originally made for the Sega Dreamcast Blue Dragon for the Xbox 360 and the DS Lost Odyssey for the 360 Last Story for the Wii Eternal Sonata for the PS3 and 360 Archrise Fantasia exclusive for the Wii Golden Sun a fan favorite for the Game Boy Advance and DS and a cult classic, The World Ends With You, originally made for the DS. I mean, there are a lot of stuff here, guys. I mean, seriously. The Artanoliko series is here. The Neptunia series here. Of course, it goes without saying Legend of Zelda should be here. It's a little bit debatable whether or not it should be considered as a role-playing game or not. The Mana series is here. Terranigma. Ta Castlevania? Huh. Well, it's debatable. Castlevania. Especially Symphony of the Night. Fire Emblem, of course. The Shining series. The Super Robot War series. The Landgreiser and the Growlancer series, the Front Mission series, this Gaia. Oh, Valkyria Chronicles! Yay! Holy shit, son! Of course, Pokemon should be here. Digimon, Monster Rancher. Holy shit! Monster Hunter Stories, Jade Cocoon. Oh, I remember Jade Cocoon. So all in all, with the index from the very first page, it's 652 pages in total. So to all of you JRPG fans, I really recommend getting this book. I mean, just flipping through the pages alone will give you tons of fun and entertainment. One of the good things about this book, you can use it as a reference guide to those titles that you haven't got already in your collection. So that's it guys, so this is this is the book, a guide to Japanese role-playing games. I mean, just look at this thing. <laughs> so if you happen to like the video, give it a like and subscribe if you haven't already. I'll see you soon in the next video. Bye-bye.
Oh my God! Thank you for that, uh, whoever, um, a kind citizen. Thank you, thank you for your, thank you for your uh, very honest and very um, uh, authentic <laughs> uh, shot by shot reaction towards the uh, the JRPG book released by Bitmaps. Um, It's so authentic, Sir Joe, that uh, you're like a kid showing it to your friend and then showing all the games. <laughs> Although, you yeah, know, uh, and the presentation, it, again, from Bitmap Books in that book is top-notch. It looks like it's yeah. really worth uh, <clears throat> really worth the the investment in time, money, and effort for it. Yes, yes. And with, uh, so the way they, uh, and the, because, uh, well, now, now that I know how they, uh, they they conduct their their composition here. So they, with the JRPG book, they did a different approach. Uh, in comparison to the NES and SNES, because with uh, the way they approached it, it's either by by company, by chronological uh, by by, chrono- by chronological release, by subgenre as well. So, and uh, like I mentioned, if if you're one of those JRPG collectors uh, who are curious whether you should play or buy said games, if you can still afford it. It's a very nice reference, uh, a very a very nice reference guide, just to see if if this said game is worth getting or not. And mind you, uh, it, it didn't really cover all of it because there's a lot of JRPGs, well, a lot of role-playing games that were just released in Japan only. And uh, so a lot, uh, there are there are a few JRPGs. Exclusive, well, Japan exclusive RPGs that I know that they that was uh, that were not included in the book, and I, I, I can I can probably understand why they did uh, they did not uh, choose to include those Mo- uh, because they, uh, like you guys mentioned, they just included the popular ones and the ones that had critical acclaim into them. Yeah. Look interesting, critical acclaim and financial. Uh, and fin- and the most with the financial uh, sales upon those games, mm. and so that's the JRPG book. And for the last PDF bitmap mm. book that we're going to do, we're going to talk about is the click and point games. And for the click and point, we got Sir JDM and myself doing the uh, the click and point games. And I would like to get Sir JDM's opinion on this because out of all of us, he's the most uh, he's probably the Uh, the better suited for the computer click and point game. So, <clears throat> Sergey, take the floor. All right. So, I'm going to um, talk about the art of point and click adventure games for uh, these are mostly for the PC. And uh, I've read through the book, and it's. Um, Well established, uh, you you have um, developers interviews. Um, you got uh, information on how they develop those uh, point and click games. Uh, to quite uh, summarize it, uh, if you're not familiar with point and click games, these are games that um, These are the games that you need to examine the specific um, objects on the screen. 
and you take a look uh, you take a look at the objects or the environment and depending on the situation you need to uh, literally point the cursor on that object and click on it and it will um, help you progress with the story or maybe interact with the object or the person that's in front of you and this is um, the roots of this uh, point and click genre uh, in the 90s is from those text-based games that text-based adventure games that you need to uh, type in a specific command like go north, go south, grab this lamp, um, open your inventory, something like that. Otherwise and, known as Zork-type games. Yes, uh, the Zork-type games. And what in, what was improved was the use of the commands and uh, graphical interface of what you can see on the screen instead of your imagination working you can actually see on your screen for the first time what's going to happen if you click on some object or if you go to this place you can now have the visual representation of that um, those objects and the environment that you're heading to and for the developers, um, the ones that were interviewed, um, let me mention some. Uh, David Fox from LucasArts, uh, one of the most prominent um, uh, point-and-click uh, game developers back in the days, uh, look, was LucasArts with Full Throttle. Um, you got the uh, Indiana Jones series. And we also have um, Eric uh, Chahi or Chahi, mm-hmm. who made um, uh, Another World and Future Wars. And this one is uh, a bit of like the sci-fi genre of the point-and-click games. And you also have um, Allo for <laughs> Larry. Yes. Or, those are the most um, prolific uh, game point and click game developers during that time and it also had um, it had a couple of uh, like a hundred over a hundred games in the genre Mm. but sadly uh, my favorite um, games uh, point and click games uh, haven't been mentioned, but I'm, I'm curious, JDM. What is your favorite point-and-click game? Um, one of my favorite point-and-click games was I think I've mentioned it a lot of times <clears throat> in this uh, podcast. It's Sanitarium. Oh yeah, it's a horror sci-fi themed um, mm. point-and-click games. Which is and, weird because when uh, when I got into the book. They uh, they were able to reach up to the 2000s. Yes. And sanitarium was not mentioned for some reason. 
Well, I'm presuming that they weren't able to get a hold of anybody to, uh, uh, like, mm-hmm. maybe one of the developers, one of the journalists uh, that reported on it. So, I mean, they could have gotten a guest reviewer, but they couldn't get at... Sir JTM to do that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but looking at the looking at the content of the of the books themselves, this book seems to be very chock full of of uh, actual developers, of the actual developers of the point and click games and. It doesn't seem to skew towards the game's journalist section anymore. It looks like it it mm. really leans into the technical aspect of it. I mean, from my from my um, from my quick glance of it. Anyway, continue, JDM. Yeah, as what uh, Ninong Joe was referring to, um, I was actually curious to check out all the games and the, mm. the the in the contents and like in the um, NES and SNES where they. Uh, place a brief description and their experiences with the game. I was actually expecting that, but I did not because um, much of the book was from the interview that they made with the uh, developers of the game, and I really like that because um, I had a computer background and I liked how these developers. Um, I like how they. Um, describe how they made those games, especially during those times that um, programming was not that easy because back then you have basic, uh, you have oh my gosh, um, spaghetti code, very <laughs> very lim- uh, a very limited memory capacity. Mm. Yes, they were doing it like with a lot of floppy disks, like those like those floppy floppies and those small yeah. floppies. And if if you're not familiar, basic is like was it the third generation? Because they back in the seventies they had um, COBOL. Oh yeah, COBOL uh, is still being used today. Mm-mm. Yeah, in POS systems, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yes. it will make you uh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Programming back in the day is you need to type in a line uh, like numerous lines of code just to do this um, specific uh, action right now you have python you have um, uh, object oriented programming yes. mm-hmm. yeah that you just uh, like type in print this uh, lines of text then that's it no we're talking like like this is hardcore early year stuff I mean I remember a legend that since I, I digress here because um, during the early days of computer programming Steve Wozniak the guy who did, who programmed the Apple II if I remember correctly the, the the original computer did not have any storage did not have any memory did not have any way to store the code so every morning Steve Wozniak had to input the entire operating system from memory in from his brain into the actual computer before it, the computer could actually run. That, that is that is hardcore stuff. I, I can't even begin to imagine and, how how things were back then. Mm-hmm. Right, and back then we don't have scanners. What now? You can just write a piece of code, like print it. Then mm. if you don't want to type it in, you just have to um, place it on a scanner and scan it. Then mm. the machine will try to read it. And now we have. Then it became uh, back then it was floppy disks. Uh, you have those um, CDs, 
back then it was really I can't say primitive because you when you say primitive programming it's those uh, machine codes like the um, like the 1001 something mm. like that oh that's assembly language already that yeah, we're, we're talking binary already okay yeah, it's it's binary language so um also in this book they although it's quite technical they did uh what they did is they um they added a glossary actually on the earlier parts of the book where they describe terminologies of um computer uh, not really uh, in general computer games in general like this one um mm-hmm. Like copy protection or the cutscene back then we call it um, movie or clip, mm-hmm. but it was and it also yeah it had bitmap. If you're um, not sure what a bitmap is, it's a style of video game graphics that are built using a series of colored dots called the pixels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so. Um, technically, bitmaps, the one that you see on the NES, SNES, those are bitmaps. The pixel um, image that you see on the screen. And some of those um, uh, words in the glossary are, I didn't even know about them. That's the first time that I heard them. I know, uh, like the feel, uh, feelies, what is it? Was it called Feelies? Uh, let me see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Feelies, yeah. Uh, the the Feelies is like the um, the extra objects that you that came in with the bundle, like the shirt, oh, the mm. manuals. I didn't know that it was. Maybe it was fillers for us, mm. uh, the fillers, because I just uh, remember that. This book was um, made in uh, published in the UK, so maybe there are terms here that didn't apply to us, but it has the same meaning. Now this is more jaw speed right there. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and you look at the graphics of the um, PC games, right? Take note. This is the VGA remake, okay, ladies and gentlemen. I can see our our viewership numbers jumping up rapidly right now. There you go. <laughs> so um, I would like to request. Uh, I would like to request a motion. Uh, top scrolling. Uh, okay. Keep it there for now. All right, right there. We're good. There. <laughs> keep it there for now. <laughs> I mean, look at it. They're going up right now. The numbers are like. <laughs> anyway, continue. Go ahead, JDM. Right. So, yeah. So that's it. And also, um, let's see here on my notes. I have my Facebook, YouTube. Oh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch. This is legal. Yes, this is art. <laughs> there you go. This is, this is art. <laughs> These yes, are not used. real people. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. games are actually art. Yeah, really absolutely. Bad. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. Mm-hmm. And this- uh, spe- uh, speaking of these uh, screenshots that we're seeing here, um, the uh, screenshots from the game are um, strategically placed. They look good. Um, mm, strategically, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
you can have the look for the lack of a better word strategic <laughs> yeah strategic yes and not to um uh compare it with the SNES and NES it looked pretty good because um these PC games yeah they do yeah they do look good yeah <laughs> The, the resolution is much more higher than yes. the ones mm. that we see on mm. the SNES and the NES. Bet your ass it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I can really see the pixels. Yeah, oh my goodness. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, so let's I mean, no more am I No more I'm imagining it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right there. Although, that, that, to to um, to interject though, the thing about it is the VGA graphics. Uh, it was almost like painting a canvas, uh, painting on a canvas already, an oil painting on a canvas, as compared to console graphics back then. I'm not quite sure what the what the resolution of of console graphics were. I think about 320 by 240. I could be wrong on that yeah, one, but. Yeah, but we're talking about VGA graphics, which was already 640 by 480. They, the artists, had more to work with in terms of space, in terms of uh, color, in terms of of how the shadings are done. It's very, it, it is quite amazing what they were able to do with with artwork back then, and yeah, also one amazing. of the reasons. <laughs> also <laughs> one of the reasons why a lot of people in that era could say that the PC games were way ahead of console games in terms of visually uh, visual presentation anyway uh, gameplay it, it is very visual presentation <laughs> <laughs> all right JD back to you go ahead no I mean I mean uh, I mean uh, with all due respect to bitmap books they yeah. they knew what they were doing with this oh absolutely, and, I, yeah. and and I applaud for them for having a spreadsheet uh, mm-hmm. a spreadsheet just like this. Yes. And you know, um, screw being family friendly. <laughs> this is a PG seventeen book right now. Yes, that's true. It's like it's like the centerfold of uh, like adult magazine. <laughs> and, Although yeah, to, to be to be fair though, uh, PC games were very much, uh, I guess, skewed towards the adult section of the gamer industry already because this these are the pe- people who tech knew how to manipulate pcs drives uh memory ram uh sound boards things like that so it was to be expected that games that on the personal computer were skewed were, were targeted towards the more mature audience so yeah, the reason to joel before mm. uh you know P- pc games uh mm-hmm. because computers are uh uh it's a tool for for adults. Yes, mm. that's true. That's true. Uh, yes, and then kids doesn't have any access to it. If you have mm. a computer at home before, uh, during the eighties, uh, most likely it's your mom, your dad is using mm. your uncle. Yes, that's very true. Uh, yeah. for, uh, for those people who are watching us right now, uh, the screen just froze. There, it's not our fault. <laughs> <laughs> it, just hap- it just happened. It just froze. I know yeah, it's right. like you know I, 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 I might have to reboot later, but anyway, continue. <laughs> yes, JDM, go ahead. We, we, we're not we're not doing this on purpose. It's just stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, um, is right. Um, we had these computers. Personally, as a personal experience, I remember suddenly it's all coming back to me. I remembered. Mm. 
Uh, one time, my mother was, uh, my mom was asked to work overtime. So, mm-hmm. she need to um, go to work Saturday. Mm-hmm. Then, I remember her asking me if she could, uh, if uh, I could uh, join her in the office. Then, uh, she brought me to the office. Then she showed me this PC. I'm not sure which um, unit it was, which machine it was. Mm-hmm. And I remember playing um, a game that's similar to uh, Pac-Man where mm-hmm. instead of ghosts, it had uh, spiders. And I guess that's the first time I was introduced to the um, computer. Uh, mm-hmm. to uh, PC gaming uh, PC gaming <clears throat> and not long after that I saw this um, when I was um, back in elementary school I went to the library then I saw this um, computer magazines then I scanned through it it those this book reminds me of those um, computer magazines that I saw back in the day where I saw Ultima, I saw June, I saw The Lemmings. And that's the time I got interested to, with PC gaming and computers in general. And not long after that, we had our own um, personal computer at home. Uh, we had um, a Pentium 2, if I remember correctly. It didn't have the graphics card, but it played a lot of games, especially DOS uh, and early Windows 3.1 games. And I was like mind blown. Then I saw uh, that's the time as well that I saw, I discovered these point and click games like Sanitarium and um, one of my favorite point and click games. Um, it's called Black Dahlia. I remember it because it's um, it's kind of a mystery game. Like it's is like, that is, is that a Black Dahlia from the uh, from the murder mystery Black Dahlia? Yeah. Um, it's not exactly um the story of the Black Dahlia, but. It's about the, um, it's about the Nazi oh, okay. revolution that's um, going on during the, uh, I think in the early forties or thirties in the U.S. Oh, again, Nazis, of course. <laughs> of course. <Yeah. laughs> like there's um there's a group of um. Nas, uh, Nazi conspirators in uh, working underground in the US so it's a like right. a, a action mystery game and wow. it and one thing I remember it starred Dennis Hopper it's like an F, uh, FMB what mm. do you call it uh, the FMB movie but you still have the um, visual um, the graphic like the office, your because your character is um, a detective working for the just CIA. Like, uh, just like what they did with Wing Commander. 
Here's a perfect example of how adventure games, PC games in general, were targeted towards more, more mature audience. This game is called Dark Seed, and the artwork is done by H.R. Giger. You know, he can't possibly show something like this to a console audience during that era. Uh, like it, like uh, the, 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 the alien type of monster tearing open somebody's head and exposing his brain. So, so that's, yes. you know... That's that kind of thing is not something pretty, that that's pretty see. graphic, yeah. Mm, yes, it's it's not something that you can see in in a console uh, game of that era. It was this was 1992, so I, I that would be the was, yeah, NES. that was before, yeah. that was before ASRB. So yeah, I mean yes. Mm. Can you imagine if that was released for the consoles? Yeah, I mean because. You know, because console back then it's uh, considered as toys. Mm-hmm. Actually, they are toys, and the uh, PC are work tools. Uh, one uh, one thing I noticed about this book, it is arranged chronologically. It's very different from the way that the visual compendium of the SNES and the NES was. This is arranged by year, and it's arranged by uh, the certain the certain kind number of. The certain kind of games that came out, like this one, is about 1990 to 1993. If we jump forward into the future, into the latter parts of the book, you'll see like uh, 1994, and then um, games like the Broken Sword series. Uh, hmm. I think that was 1994 series, Scooby Doo Mystery, which came out in 1995, and uh, The Dig. Ah, oh, The Dig was a great Lucas Arts uh, game back in 1995. So, it's it's a good. What's the right word for it? Tour of point-and-click adventure games through the years. I, I, I was not assigned this book, but now that I'm looking at it, I'm gonna sit down and read through it um, mm-hmm. because I'm a huge adventure adventure game fanatic as well and uh, DOS games, yeah, DOS game, DOS game era aficionado as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, back to you, JDM. All right, right. I really enjoyed uh, looking at the pictures and reading through the interviews that they had um, uh, in the book and uh, it's just sad that I didn't see most of the uh, ah this one this looks like um, this is similar to the, yeah, the Black Dahlia game that I was talking about and uh, by the way uh, Black Dahlia it Starred uh, Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, from the Super Mario movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, 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 King Bowser from the Super Mario mm-hmm. movie. But the nineteen eight, the nineteen ninety two. But 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 it's not the oh. <laughs> oh 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 no! Uh, suddenly our our screen just froze again. <laughs> Unexpectedly. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, oh screen just froze again. I'm sorry, guys. Oh, okay. uh, we're having technical issues right now. Stay tuned. Technical difficulties. And, uh, and this is brought to you by Bitmap Books, by the way. <laughs> and um, uh, the thing with uh, PC games, uh, you have this the although it's much more powerful than the console games it did it still had this animated um console like feel like the mm-hmm. uh pixel artwork um but uh what 
um, made it much more appealing to adult uh, players is it had those full motion uh, videos which look much more realistic and it's like it's like watching a movie this one in particular is very special because this one is the last express and it uses rotoscope technology mm. guess who did it it's jordan meshner the same guy who did the prince of persia series rotoscoping is yeah. a very special technology where you capture the actual movements of actors back then and put uh, put graphics on top of, top of them like like, so, uh, like full motion video, like like full motion capture yes exactly er- like the earlier versions capture. of like early versions of full motion capture yeah precisely yes this mm-hmm. one was a very special one and jordan meshner is very very proud of this one the last express if you guys are interested in a great adventure game point and click adventure game this is the one to play also and, blade runner there you go and i think that um captured the like cinematic feel of these games uh, mm. because of the rotoscoping and the animation because when you're playing SNES or the Famicom the uh, motions are so fluid especially when you're playing um platformer games it um most of the games run in 60 fps And this one, it's um, it's much more cinematic. It adds uh, like a cinema feel to the games that you're playing, especially these adventure games, uh, point and click games. It's not fluid, but it um, it adds to the cinematic feel. And right. I think I that's uh, missed. Yeah, but this that one was is grim. Grimpandango. This one is great. This another great adventure game. Point and click adventure game. Grimpandango. You can't find Green somebody. Fandango. Yes, so you cannot find a DOS or Windows adventure game fanatic that has a bad opinion of Grimpandango. This is one of the highlights <clears throat> of the adventure game genre. Give it a try. And I and I think uh, these computer games. Um, computer games in general um like expand uh what they call this it made the console developers um develop games that were uh, point and click as well so it's not uh, when you say point and click games it's not uh solely for computer games uh, on the Daria's there Uh, yeah, so going back to the point-and-click games, um, when you say point-and-click games, it's not just for the um, computers anymore or the PC. Some of the um, console developers are also trying to um, make games, uh, point-and-click games for the consoles, like... Um, In Sega, you have those um, FMV games as well, right? Mm, yes. Uh, I think Sewer Shark yeah. games like Sewer Shark and things like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. They like um, 
it made the console developers, uh, console game developers, like, hey, why can't we make a game, point and click game, on a console? So, I think that influenced them uh, playing when, maybe when the console developers are like taking breaks, they discovered, hey, have you checked out this game? Then they play it then they suddenly they got the idea that um, hey why don't we make these games for the consoles as well mm. there, there's the, the thing about adventure games it's it's much different from jrpgs or rpgs joy you don't build stats you don't build your 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 um your uh what's the right word uh you don't build the numbers on your character it's very much finding out what works in terms of your inventory in terms of your environment and moving the story forward and that's the whole point of an adventure game whereas a jrpg there's the min max aspect of it where you kind of grind where you want to make sure that your character is as strong as possible before it faces off against the dungeon rat in this case it doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if you're at the beginning of the game it doesn't matter if you're at the end of the game you're always looking for that one thing that'll activate the next the next um the next part of the storytelling i guess that's the most prominent feature of adventure games it's the storytelling aspect of it so for an rpg yeah. gamer you know that that that's that's the big difference between the two and actually the, know, the, the the adventure game pito joel is um uh, <clears throat> uh, they make they make your focus on the story yes mm. so the, 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 you, you're playing it you don't have to worry about anything and you just need to uh, you know to know the story to finish the game yeah build relationships in leisure suit larry <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah I, I, building I, building relationships yes relationships yes. okay the nice thing another nice thing about this game is that it 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 passes a lot we're talking about in 1994 all the way to 2021 The adventure games are not as prominent now as they were before. Way back when, adventure games were the biggest thing in computer gaming. Now yeah. it, it it start it went down for a little while, but now it's starting to have a little bit of a revival. Lots of games are coming out as adventure games, and I'm personally I'm kind of glad for it. This book though does encompass a huge number of years, and I would say uh, as as a book. Might not be as visually, well, oh, not well, not might not be as what's the right word for it? Might not be as uh, able to eat to consume in bite-sized pieces, uh, the same way that the NES and and Famicom, ah, uh, Super Famicom games were. Of course, you can still flip through it and then find you know find uh, lots of great screenshots of the games and little snippets and everything. But uh, the heart and meat of this uh, of this book, I would say, would probably be. The well, a little, a little oh. something for Joe before we go. <laughs> uh, oh no, the screen just oh. froze again. Oh my god! <laughs> Look at that pixel. <laughs> I mean, it's it, I mean, it moves from here to here. There you go. So, the the heart, the the heart and soul of this game is the interviews with the developers. I would say those. I can are see her heart and soul right now. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> there you go. You know, Tito so, Joel was the best combination. Mm. Yes, what to have? Just to have mm. uh, the bitmap. Th- th- this book uh-huh. and GOG. Oh, completely mm. agree. GOG with the good old games.com website. Yeah. Yes, completely agreed with that one. Good call, Joe. Uh, Joe Mar. Yeah, it's, it's uh, the fact is 
ah good old games that it's a great website where you can delve into a lot of the games that are featured in this book so i mean back to you jdm sorry for interrupting all right so uh that's all my take for the book how about sergio um, mm, yeah oh. think? uh well uh with the little time that we have um i'll just i'll try to keep it short uh okay so when i say to hell with the people saying Praise the master race, PC, which is PC. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm only talking about the toxic fans. Yes, who are who are saying that. However, that being said, when I uh, when I was able to read this book, I have I have found a whole new respect towards the PC games because of how the technology evolved and how the developers had to be the pioneers. Starting a revolution, uh, starting a revolution from simple computer programming based out of text-based adventure games into something digitized like this, and how through the years expanded, evolved, and developed into something more robust and simplistic. Back in the days of when you're controlling everything through the keyboard without using a mouse before apple came out with the mouse and i i don't have any um, personal uh, personal inkling in regard in regarding with clicking point games or pc games uh, in general i did uh, but so it, it's a it's a weird choice why i chose to cover this book mm-hmm. but as a uh, as a as a as a video game history enthusiast i am i am though curious on how things started out and how things progressed i have With a question book, Sergio, like, before you continue yeah do you remember your first pc game my first uh, the first pc game that i played was aladdin okay i'm not even sure uh, if that came up with I, I'm not sure if it's Windows or or is it an Apple computer, but I did remember it was. I'm not sure if, if Sir JDM and Sir Joel might rem, uh, might know this. What is the Aladdin came out for the for the PC? Ah, uh, let's see. I do which, remember uh, which, which, which PC was that. <clears throat> uh, because I because all I all I remember I was uh, I was using a keyboard, not a mouse. Mm-hmm. Keyboard, uh, not a mouse. So it should be uh, it should be on DOS. Most likely, mm, most IBM. Yes. Right, and uh, that was the only computer game that I played. And then fast forward to year 1996-97, Half Life, Counter Strike. That's mm. it. And oh, and Red Alert. Talking, talking about <laughs> click and point. Red Alert, Command and Conquer. So, right. um, and uh, with this book, so, so like Sir Joel mentioned. It is arranged in chronological order, mm-hmm. and taking into account their uh, their interview. Mostly, it's all about interviews. They didn't really show uh, the way they presented the games were through the eyes of the developers themselves on how they were contracted to the to the studio. What was the uh, what was the origin of the game? How was the production and the development working? On that studio and how it impacted the industry as a whole. Not much was explained in regarding with gameplay. Yeah, every now and then some of the interviews you'll um, 
you'll you'll see some excerpts about how the game is being played or what kind of game engine that they developed for that said game. But for someone who, who didn't really play any of these games, I have no clue. So I have to take their word for it. Hmm. So, and if you're not the kind of person who is who are into these games, then then yeah, all, uh, if you're if you're going to f- uh, if uh, if there's anything, you'll just enjoy looking at the pictures because when they're talking about their time developing the games, they can be very technical. So if you're the kind of person who likes uh, who have a PC, uh, uh, a, co- a computer engineering background, or 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 a info. Or, or, or an IT background and like video games, you might understand what they're talking about in this. Uh, you might understand what they're talking about in this in this particular game. That being said, not all of the game developers here knows exactly computer lingo. There's um, one of the one of the developers like Police Quest. He uh, the developer was a was a former cop. He did uh, with no computer background whatsoever. He was able to develop a video game by himself. Uh, he was able to develop a video game out of what he knows about police procedural, and then somebody else had to had to uh, had to help him code uh, the game itself. So, just because uh, what I learned about this book, just because you are uh, you have a different background or a different career, doesn't necessarily mean you have no. Uh, you have nothing to contribute in developing a video game, right? And um, uh, what else? And there are a lot of excerpts here that were mentioned by the interviewees that really caught my attention. Like, for example, uh, so uh, back in the day, you got Lucas Lucas Arts and and Sierra, basically Nintendo and Sega of uh, of the early '80s in terms of PC, uh, the click and point PC games. And Lucas Arts, you would think that oh, it's owned by George Lucas, so he's into video games. No, he could not give a rat's ass about video games. <laughs> it's just it's just a sub. Uh, it's, it was just a sub company under his name. He could care less about video games. Doesn't even play video games. But you know who plays video games? Apparently, it's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> right after when they did uh, Indiana Jones uh, and uh, and the. Uh, uh, the the arc of the what uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah so uh, when when George Lucas and Steven Spielberg collaborated when they did uh, Raiders Raiders of the Lost Ark apparently the story was Spielberg kept on going through the studio just to see what the guys are uh, are coming up with and he's the one badgering them so he could play the latest games from Lucas Art Studios uh, so, you know stuff like that oh and uh, not to mention I was able. Um, I figured so because I did because I don't know much about the games that being uh, that being um, discussed through the book. I said to myself, ah, you know, just to have that uh, that kind of personal uh, personal attachment towards the games that they're talking about. How about I play one of the games they are mentioning? So I played Maniac Mansion, the original one uh, that mm. came out in. That came out in 1985 for the very first time uh, uh, a few days back, and oh my god, <laughs> it took me ten, it took me ten minutes just to move one person around. Mind you, guys, with uh, with Ma- uh, so Maniac Mansion came from what Lucas Arts, if I remember correctly. 
you don't uh this was a time when the mouse was not even uh, was not even a concept yet so you are supposed to move each character using the directional keyboard uh directional directional buttons on your keyboard yes and out of instinct i kept on using my mouse or my mouse pad just to move the characters only to realize oh shit i'm not i'm supposed to move them with the arrow keys god damn it so it took me a while to uh uh it took me a while to to work the gameplay but i i i, I did manage eventually but every now i mean every now and then i will i will i will still go back to my mouse and it only and it made me realize how how hard it was back then and how and how i took the mouse for granted <laughs> Mm-hmm. especially with the click and point because by definition you you click and point you use a mouse to click and point not using the directional buttons and point <laughs> you know you know what i mean yeah. you're not clicking anything it's it's pushing and pointing um anyway uh, at, at least there at, at least there was that um uh, there were some uh there were there were a lot of notable interviews here um and especially with uh because we always keep mentioning leisure suit larry uh, in this podcast so i was curious about al Lowe's story on on um how the game came out to be and how people tend to circumvent the and the authentic uh, am, am, am i supposed to uh, is it right to say password protection or or mm. or, or adult authentication Yes, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I'll call it call it software authentication. Software authentication. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because back in uh, back in those days, everybody everybody can just copy whatever games using uh, because floppy everything's drive. in uh, on a floppy drive. Every, mm-hmm. every, you can just copy it. But for people, uh, for games like Leisure Suit Larry, especially on the earlier games, mm-hmm. Allo devised a uh, like a like a mechanism or 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 to be specific a bunch of quest a bunch of questionnaires in there just to prove that you are a adult not a kid playing leisure suit larry so all of those questions were designed to be answered that only an adult would know not a kid would know Although or like, or the like, kid would have to come to his to a, to an adult to like his parents, his parents and yeah. ask yeah. and ask the parent him. would say either you know would take it as a teaching opportunity or you know say why are you asking these questions why are you asking these random <laughs> ass questions right <laughs> oh, oh no reason dad um <laughs> I, I, i'm just i'm just playing leisure suit larry oh what game is that oh it's an yeah. educational game it's, a, it's, a, it's an educational trivia kind of game and it's, exactly. it's just asking a lot of random trivia I mean, questions i'll have to say this about Allo. he has a wicked sense of humor from everything that i know about him <laughs> hey pc games were supposed to be educational back then yeah yes agreed <laughs> so um so uh it's over 500 pages of 500 mm. it's almost five, five between 500 600 pages yes. long mm-hmm. uh, it's a bit and it is quite a read and not necessarily a, a big quite of a read because um, a good percentage of the book is uh, it's just pictures yes. like mm-hmm. like screenshots of those games and mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you will go three or four pages of pictures <coughs> with no text and then mm-hmm. you'll then you then you uh like for example page 65 
and then page 66 67 68 69 all of those are just pictures and then you and then by the time you reach page 70 then the text will go back uh will, will come back and then so uh if you're going to be reading this uh, it might um on a on a uh, on a summer afternoon with the, with nothing else to do, you might probably finish reading this like maybe in, within a week. If you're mm-hmm. going to take word for word, if you're going to read this word for word, sure. Uh, but for those people who are not really into uh, who are not into PC games as a whole, maybe the pictures might interest you, just to keep you. Uh, just to keep you sticking in reading the book, I would probably. This is the kind of book that I might recommend to Sir Dan, mm. to Miss I, Sir JDM, and Sir Joel, mm-hmm. especially because they, well, they because they are the ones who are who are really into PC games. Anyway. Oh yeah. Well, the thing about it is every every book that we've gone through right now, the SNES, uh, the the NES, uh, NES, SNES, and point and click books look like they've been designed so that you can jump in and out of them choose a topic that you're interested in choose a year choose a game genre like look for something interesting to read and you can jump right in without having to have read any of the previous chapters it it's not a straight flow of a storyline of a narrative each one you can jump in as as a separate article much like a magazine and the know. actual book themselves ladies and gentlemen they have their own yes. uh, like a, a like a red strip bookmark that you yes, can it's use a, yes mm-hmm. That's so you can it. just so, pick up where you left off yeah exactly i would yeah. say it's for the quality of of the books that you that bitmap books is is selling and the price point that they're selling it at you're getting an absolute bargain it's a steal it's I would reasonable say yes it, it's the, the price that they're asking for all of their books is quite reasonable yes only because of the quality that uh, the mm-hmm. quality of the product, the research that they did, yes. you can understand why they're asking. I mean, I, I mean, they're not cheap. I mean, they're over a hundred dollars mm-hmm. US. Mm-hmm. But if you are, uh, but if you are into video game history and you like reading literature, if you really want to dwell on the history and uh, the the history of the games that you played back the, uh, back then and now, then hey. Um, it's a it's a it's a nice. Uh, I'm not gonna. Well, it's not necessarily a table uh, like a tableware book mm-hmm. that you just flip around just with, you know while you're waiting uh, while you're waiting for your name to be called on the DMV or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's 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 a, it's a good display. It uh, it can be a display piece, and it's also a good read as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, actually, the, the 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 price for the books are really fair because of the mm-hmm. work that has been done to it. Yeah. Um, uh, can we uh, let's show another? Uh, let's show the graphic of their website mm, regarding yeah. with the books in their inventory at the moment, Sir Joe. If you could. All right. Uh, let's just uh, bring that up one moment. Uh, let's... W- because when I when I when I bought the JRPG book, um, because I had to. Um, when it when it was first released, it was sold out in on mm. their website because this is a JRPG book. And mm. say what you will about the JRPGs, there were a lot of fans of the genre. And the the first week when it was first released, it was sold out. So I had to outsource it to a Australian books uh, Australian online bookstore so I can have it. 
Well, that's the thing. I mean, it, uh, even the book that you have with you right now, Joe, the guide to Japanese role playing games, it's forty six dollars. Let's let's put shipping at about fifteen to twenty bucks. That's still a very yeah. good value for the yeah, for the for the books that you're getting. Very, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very it's, fair it's, price. And it's not paperback, guys. It's like oh no, it's yeah. quite yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. heavy. A hard hardbound copy. It's very heavy, at least five hundred pages uh, thick. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're kind of hesitant to jump into the deep end first, they have they have some <clears throat> they have some books on sale right now, like the Micro Machines collection, Micro Ooh, but many. If you're nice. at all interested in Micro Machines, they're on sale today for thirty three dollars. You save six bucks. I would grab that. Yeah. And like like I said, if you're uh, interested in a particular topic. Like the computer RPG book or the art of point and click video games, uh, the art of point and click adventure games. I would say they're great value for money. So, I I, I would probably I'm in my case I'm going to save up and I'm going to get the ones that are that are uh, that are in my line of interest and even the ones that are not. Um, Dave Scott has a question: Are That's the book. books hard to order in the Philippines? No, they are not. Actually, if you, uh, I know that Bitmap Books ships internationally, but we'll see. Who knows? Maybe Bitmap Books and uh, Timeless Gamer Show might be able to uh, have a little bit of maybe, a conversation. Maybe, uh, maybe, sir, maybe, sir, Dave Scott is asking if if it's like available locally, like for say national yeah. bookstore or oh, not just yet. If I remember or, correctly, or something like that, like, like so. or like a na- or national bookstore, something like that. Is PowerBook still so. a thing? Yeah. In, is PowerBook still a thing yeah. in the Philippines? Oh, it is. Yeah, okay. Power, PowerBook is still a thing. Yeah, PowerBooks. Okay, maybe. So uh, maybe maybe PowerBooks. You might check that out. But if you ask me, uh, I think uh, ordering straight from Bitmap Books is also a really good option. They ship internationally. They ship worldwide, as far as I know. They yeah, ship, yeah, they ship worldwide. And uh, worst case scenario, again, if you know, Timeless Gamer Show uh, has a nice little conversation with them. Who knows? We might be able to provide it locally as well. Uh, uh, tell you what, sir, Dave Scott. If uh, if if Sir Sam Dyer and the guys in Beatmap Books like like what they are seeing in this episode, maybe they can provide us like a discount promo code. Yeah, use, that would be wonderful. You, you, you use the uh, use the word timeless when you order out when you, <laughs> when you ship. There you go. When you ship out. Hopefully, you hi Sir Sam. Cross fingers, <laughs> cross fingers. Thanks very much, Bitmap Books. <laughs> use the promo code. Our very yeah. first promo code. Mm-hmm. There you go. All right, I think that that covers everything. Um, I think we can close it All out. Right. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, I think okay. Joe uh, experienced a little <laughs> bit of a a little bit of a technical issue. Um, uh, let me. Uh, I'll, I'll just, there you oh, go. There you Some go. of the Sorry. books. There you go. Internet connection and all that. Yeah. All right. Up oh, oh, here we go again. again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like singing. Yeah. Look. I know he's 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 very much uh, he's very much in the karaoke mode right now. Um, yeah, so I'm sorry to have to say that Joe is experiencing a few technical difficulties, but yes, we would like to say thank you very much to Bitmap Books for providing us with review copies of the books that are available uh, that that we presented to you right now. It is a small sampling of the books that they have in their in their roster, and I would highly recommend checking out their website, seeing if something is up your alley something that is uh, that catches your fancy and you know it's always a good thing to delve into the history 
of the hobby that you are uh, that you're enjoying because you know the more you know uh, the, the the more enjoyment you'll get uh, I think Joe might be a little uh, might be back right now uh, no actually he's not <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, uh, yeah there he is okay there you go Joe go ahead shameless uh, plug Okay, shameless plug time. All right, so uh, I'll, I'll go first. I might as well go first. Uh, you guys can catch me on the Twitch channel Banyagang Native and on Kick.com under Banyagang Native. I stream occasionally. I do a variety of games, retro games, a lot of them, a lot of uh, a lot of modern games as well. Uh, surprisingly, a lot of retro games now. A lot of games that some people might consider modern are also retro now. Ten years ago, it's not. It ten uh, years ago is not. Uh, is not 1994. Ten years ago is now 2014. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, just keep that in mind. <laughs> so uh, that is my personal cutoff for retro games. So I'm streaming those games as well. So you can find me on Twitch and on Kick under Banyagi Native. Just type in Banyagi Native. You'll find me there. Hashtag FUFB. All right, on to you, Jomar. Oh yes, so Jomar, you can find me at um, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Kick. Uh, I seldom uh, stream right now, but I, I did stream last night. I was playing uh, a, um, a beat'em up dungeon crawling game. It's called Nobody Save the World. It is interesting. It's a it's an indie game. It's nice. So yeah, uh, of course, Shuffle Emporium uh, for your you know collection needs or uh, TCG needs or toys. Go to Shuffle Emporium. It's a part of ROI. Uh, with uh, Tito Joel, Sergio, and uh, Mond, and um, um, Tito Popoy, and Jet, of course. All right, and your turn, JDM. Yes, uh, one day markets of one, two, three, go retro. Uh, you can catch me on Facebook and Twitch and YouTube. I was recently streaming res- a lot of wrestling games. I just came back from my uh, short hiatus and hopefully I could return back to my regular uh, streaming schedule and I hope to see you in my next streams. Um, hopefully I could play, I could uh, hook up the my old retro PC here and play some point and click games so you would be able to experience what was those games uh, what the genre is uh, back in the 90s and I hope to catch you guys soon alright and job Ah, just seems to be having a, having technical difficulties. All right. Well, um, I guess uh, that's it for the show. Thank you again. Thank you very very much, Bitmap Books for. You go, you go. <laughs> thank you very much to Bitmap Books for you know on the final home stretch. That's that's when uh, that's when sometimes people you know trip and smash flat on their face. But you know we keep going. Whatever happens anyway, the show must go on, especially yes. here in Timeless Gamers Show. So uh, thank you very much, JDM. Close this out. Give us the give us the tagline for Timeless Gamers Show. Okay, so let me just. I can probably <laughs> I can probably do it. So our games and our okay. So our <laughs> games and our bodies may grow out of date, but our gaming experiences will forever remain. Hey, Timeless. All right, see you guys again next time. Enjoy your enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye. Thank you, Bitmap Move.